So, cheers. Cheers. Thank you very much You're for coming here. Back. It's an honor to have you. Just for the record, let's not let's show people that the bottle started on half already. Yeah. We didn't drink half before no. we came here. <laughs> it was already brought like this. But it's it's a good stuff. Came from an expert, and I'm a fucking expert in limoncello because I started drinking limoncello in 2007 in Italy. It was a quite a quite a crazy trip. It was with a university, with the European Volleyball Championship. Our female team was national champion, so we went there. And it was the first time that I tried limoncello. It was in Italy, in Camerino, and it was. It was quite an uh, quite an experience. Right at the source. Usually, if you mm. try the first time something that is very good, and you raise the expectations, and then all the others in your life are shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but trust me, your um, your uh, your recipe is quite good. Thank you. I'm still learning, and I hope it's good. <laughs> well, let's try. Anyway, um, but I've we've known for what ten years, or yeah. at least probably, probably like, like ten years, because like I stop I stopped doing judo because of my injury, you know, and because I was a little bit tired being a coach. Uh, I stopped like four years ago. So you were my student for probably two, three years. Yes. And I think I was still during my graduate. So my graduate, I was 20, You're 21. I'm 30 now. So it was probably like 10 years, easily. 10, you, were you were doing your, your degree or your master's when you were my student? I think you were doing your master's. It was already in my master's, maybe. Yeah, it was your master's. Yeah, you were doing the master's. Oh, oh yes, I was, because I was no longer a student here. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it was the first year of your master's that you are enrolled in, in judo. Yes. Okay, then I was like 22, 23. But it's amazing to me how we've kind of known each other, even if it's just superficially for so long. Mm. And you're still quite a mystery to me. Because uh, <laughs> I've known you for s from so many contexts. I've seen you, I've met you first as my judo professor. Mm -hmm. I've seen you do photography. I've seen you have a, a training, formal training in education. Mm -hmm. I see you doing in events worldwide, managing content. So. I don't and really your father, And your father was in, when I was doing the, the, um, defend, the defending my thesis mm -hmm. in education, your father was in the jury. Wow. Yeah. Another coincidence. So you also have a PhD in education? No, no, I, no, no, no. I have no PhD. Defense of my thesis, my degree thesis, you know, the... Um, an undergraduate? Yeah, yeah. doing the oh, defense of okay. my... Yeah. That's something we don't do anymore. Yeah. No? Oh, no, nowadays there's nothing of that. You do the three years, you, that's it. You Ooh. do the last credit, there's no defense, there's nothing. No. No, you don't know. No, I didn't know. You know, I work in the university and I didn't know that. You know, back, back, <laughs> back in the day, you, you do the five years, you know. The last year you go to, to the field to work in an institution and then you write a report and then you have to defend the report. Oh, but that was when the graduations were five years. Yeah. But I think that since they changed it to three years after yeah. Bologna, yeah. you do the three years like high school. Yeah, and, and then, you don't need to. No, and then you, if you want, you go to masters, and then at the end in of the masters, masters that you do that. Yes, uh, but if you just do the three years, it's like high school. At least that's what I felt like. Yeah. I really felt like high school. Two tests each period, just regular evaluation, assessments. It was pretty smooth transition. Damn, I thought that that you have to, to write, you know, the, the report, you know, go no, to no. institutions. But anyway, this was to okay. say that. You do so many, I never really understood you as a person or what you do or what you value. 
So do you want to talk a bit about your training, your life path, or do you want to remain a mysterious badass? No, no, no I'm, I'm not a mystery. You, know, you can go to Instagram or Facebook and I've, I even have my profiles open so everybody can see who I am, supposedly. Yeah, because Facebook shows what you are, right? <laughs> Facebook shows a part of, of you, some, some part that you want to show. Other part I choose to, to only show to the people that are really close to me, but that's an, that's another story so basically for people to understand who i am well i was born in um, in aveiro because my father was in the military so i was in aveiro for two years after two years my my father went to the to the reserve so we went back to montalegre and i stayed in montalegre till i was 15 years old when i was 15 years old i wanted to to pursue informatics you know computers so I came to Braga to to Carlos Amarante School. Mm -hmm. I was in informatics, then I lost one year in the before coming into university. That year was decisive, so I decided to to change course. Instead of going to informatics, I decided, I tried to go to engineering mechanics. Um, there was also a restructuration in the, um, in education in, in Portugal, so everything changed. I didn't get to enter into university into mechanics. I went into physics. I didn't okay. like it. From informatics to mechanics, mechanics to physics. Because yeah, I was physics because it was like I um, the the. All of the um, of the places in mechanic they were filled. So my yeah. my, my, my final my final note was not enough to enter into engineering mechanics. So the second option was physics. So I went into I went into physics as a second option. So I was one year studying in physics in Guimarães. I didn't like it, so I decided to change completely. No girls in Guimarães, no only girls guys. In Guimarães because back in <laughs> back in the day, back in the day the. Um, when you went into engineers, it was all guys, all dicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, when you see a girl in game it was like a fucking unicorn. It's like, oh, who's that girl? Yeah. And then you had like 20, 20 dogs to one bone. So I had a few friends that studied Guimarães. They all said that, yeah. like, they would come to visit me, hang out here in Braga, and they were like, oh my god, look, it's a girl on the street. Yeah, it was oh. like Guimarães. Really desperate. But, <laughs> but Guimarães, it was it was really fun to be there because it was like the campus is. In my opinion, is beautiful than the campus in in Gualtar. You have more green, and then you have a lot of guys that you can talk and hang around back in the day. And and it was basically sometimes university uh, in the bars. It looked like it looked like a fucking casino, you know, because all those guys were playing cards, money, mm. and stuff like that. And oh. I knew some some friends of mine that they went into the university at nine o'clock in the morning, and then when they left at five o'clock. They didn't went into any class. They were just playing cards, you know, <laughs> in money, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not high rolls, but spending some some really money back in money in the from day. the parents, maybe. Probably the from the parents. Of... Others work, you know, so have yeah, some yeah, some yeah. side jobs, and they they. they but that has happened throughout the entire history of human <laughs> school. I think I think that's always been the case. Like it's yeah. never going to change. Yeah, but. But yeah, so fine. you were studying there. So after after one year, I decided no, I have to go to. Um, I have to, to change this, so I went into education because I was also, before choosing informatics, was also good in, the, in, um, in humanistic uh, studies. So I went, I decided to, to change degree. And I was thinking about psychology, but a good friend of mine told me, forget it, I can help you change degree, but I cannot help you go into psychology because back then psychology 
was the, um, the degree in the university with the highest uh, ranking. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought it was like, I don't want, don't go into psychology because you're not going to get a job because it's kind of what no, happens but, nowadays. But back in the time, we're talking about um, 1996. Okay. Back in the day, the, the degree with, um, with the students that had better grades or psychology, the wow. last guy to enter psychology in 96, it had, a, it had an average of 75%. It was in percentage because now it's yes. from zero to 20. Yeah, yeah? but then it, then, then it was in percentage. It was 75%. Okay. This changed through the years and, especially, and then when we got to, to medicine in the university. So medicine is always with, with the highest grade, yeah. you know. But back in the day, it was psychology. Okay, but, know. but it was like this. We are talking, we're talking an era when the, um, everything was different, you know. If you want to go to engineering, you know, some of the engineers, the, the last guy to enter in the, in the engineering at like 35%, 32. <laughs> Which today will be, that's negative. Today is yeah, what, like a like seven? Seven, like, oh, because, because it was different. You no, know, when, when, the, when the education system in Portugal changed, you know, back, back in the 90s, you, you do the, the 12th grade and then you have to do the, the specifics. And... Um, The specific was uh, you can do the 12th grade and you don't need the specifics to, to have, to have the, the complete grade. Now you have to do the national exam and only if you pass the national exam, you have the 12th grade yeah, yeah, yeah. complete. Back then, no, you finished the 12th grade and that, that was it. So the specifics, the, the, yeah, the, the exams of the, the exams, speciality, yeah, right? the, yeah, the exams, they were really, really hard. So basically, you have a lot of guys that will do the, the exam and they have like 5%, 10%. So the engineering, you know, oh a lot God. of the engineers, you know, the last guy to enter in the degree was like 25, 30, 35, 40. Only a few engineering degrees uh, that the last student was like 50 or 55. It was like civil engineering or other, other, other stuff But like was that. Was that harder or was it... Any engineering degree was like a given. You're gonna get in because it's no, 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 negative grades. No, because it's like this. You could, it's like you could get. Imagine this. When I did my first exam, because um, uh, back it was completely different. It was like this. When I when I first did my my 12th grade, I did the the, the specific exams to enter the university, but I failed. I failed in one discipline, and. Um, In the physics exam, I, my, my, my grade was 15%. 15. 15. Yeah, 15. 1, oh, 5%. <laughs> And I was, I was mm -hmm. a good student in physics. I finished my, my 12th grade in physics with a degree from 0 to 20 with 15. Okay. okay, let's put this into perspective. You got 15% out of 100%, 100%. which is like by today's standards, it's Three. complete shit. Yeah, it's great. complete shit. But in relative terms, what was the average of your classmates at least? Like, were you considered a good grade that or was it in terms of your class? In, in terms like this, that year, that year, the, the average the average uh, result in the national exam of physics, I think it was 10 or 15 percent nationwide. Fuck. Yeah, because it was like it was unbelievable. Holy fuck. Yes, 10 percent average. Yes, it was completely different. Oh you go. It's like it's like, you know, um, uh, mathematical analysis, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like that chair that's really difficult. And you when, when you go to the um, 
back in the day you 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 fixed the, the grades in the in the in the board right and you go to to the to the board to see the results yeah. of analysis of like zero one two three four five percent you know oh it was it was, it was like this it must have been so demoralizing when you sit on the chair to do the exams you already know that you're going to fail almost 90 percent of the exam so like yeah. you're doing the exercise and like i don't know skip i don't know skip for, I don't know. For, for you to understand when i did my first in the first year that i did the, the physics exam to try to get into the university that i got 15 percent in zero to 100 i on, i was only able to do the one of the exercises from the from uh, from the test the other year everything changed so you need to to get a positive result in the test so you can have the 12th grade um, passed everything changed i didn't went to, to to classes i just studied like for one month before the exam and i went to do the exam and i got 45 percent Okay. I went. I went from fifteen yeah, yeah. to forty-five. But then they changed the tests. Yeah. They changed the test, and I didn't get to sixty percent because when I was doing the, the exam, I blocked in one exercise, and when I came out, I was like, "Shit!" It was like this, and I was like, <laughs> "Fuck!" And it, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. like this. Things, things changed. Yeah, but I think it makes sense because that's what I was describing. If you if the exam is so hard that you are going to fail in almost all exercises, you must feel like shit when you're doing it. No, because everybody is failing. But still, like, you know, what's your commitment or your enthusiasm to see, go and study to an exam that you know that is going to be so hard that you're not going to be able to do most of it, no matter how no, you study? In my, in my opinion, it was like this. I don't mind if I fail because everybody is going to fail. You understand? So I'm yeah. going to... What, what's, what's the purpose of the exam is to find a way to see if you are able to get into university or not into that specific degree if all of the guys that are going to go to that degree also fail like me because the exam was fucking hard you know that you are in the same in the same position to get in as the other guy on the, on the other other side yeah in relative terms that's true see because um, in the next year okay the grades all got up and the same guys was also yeah. getting up so it's basically you're on the same spot it's a question of scale so you are yeah. trying the, the goal is to filter people and to establish yeah. a ranking but if you the, if the ranking on which you or the range of the rank in which you uh, place people is just between zero and 20 percent if it's a genius you're not using the full from zero to 100 percent scope so if a uh, test puts people in the several dozens and not just those 10 percent then i think it might do a better job at filtering people yeah it, it, it's it's like this in the end in the end of the day both systems used to work you know people get into university other people don't don't, don't get but yeah so in the end you went to physics so you went to physics and then the other year i decided to change to education so i came to education in university and in it took me, I think it was seven years <laughs> to have the degree in education. To do the five years. To do the five Let's years. Let's put this in context because yes. people now hear seven yeah. and if you got three year degrees, yeah. but it's seven in five. So I lost two years, but it was, no, it was no lost years, you know, because everything in life has a purpose, yeah. okay? And those years, those two lost years um, made me see other things and put me in a place uh, that when the, an opportunity opened, uh, 
I was there to, to grab it, you know, because it, imagine this. After finishing my degree, I stayed and worked in the university. If I, stayed, if I did my degree in five years, that opportunity would not be available back then, you know. Right. Because it will only come two because, years yes, later. Yes, because I was, when, when, the, when I started working in university, I was in the right time at the right place, okay? I got lucky. Because the the, com the, um, the communication project inside the, the social services of the University of Minho was starting at that precise moment that I was coming out of the degree. If I was there one year before, like there was another guy doing um, the, the last year of the degree in the, in, the, in the sports division, and he didn't stay there because there was no place available. So when I finished my degree, the opening was wow. open, so I was in the right place at the right Super time. Super timing. So that's yeah. to say that the time that you spent playing cards instead yeah, of going playing to classes was worth it. And going out at night and scoring chicks, so it was no lost time. Scoring chicks is never lost time, anyway. No, no never lost time. Even even when it's like my, my fiancé, you know, she's always teasing me and talking about... Uh, uh, about my first relationship that was in the in education and um, I dated a girl for three and a half years and I used to say to my to my judo students I don't know if you remember this part but I always used to say this you know you have you don't need to be ashamed of being um, in Portuguese we call it pau mandado you know when yeah, the girl ob bosses you guy, yeah, yeah. when the girl bosses you around because I was for three and a half years boss around by a girl but that was a really good learning experience because i never allowed that mistake to happen in other relationships so right. that helped me establish boundaries to other relationships that they were really good relationship not that that three and a half years was not a good relationship it was but i was not mature enough to establish boundaries and boundaries are fundamental in any relationship it doesn't mean it is as personal or professional boundaries are important. Yes, I feel that people are afraid of the discussion because est establishing a boundary usually involves a fight, saying no. Or, or a negotiation. Or negotiation, which in any way is a fight in the sense that it's a confrontation. Yeah. Not aggressive, no, you don't have to scream, but in terms of human interaction, it's something unpleasant. And so yeah. that's something people run away from. But it's the case of the city. It's the case in which if you don't, address the issues mm -hmm. immediately then they just accumulate yeah and they translate into other aspects and over the years they accumulate. and that's what happened in my relationship you know because after a while you know i was no fuck i need my time i need my space i need to do this i need to do that and she was and she was not willing to give me those things like okay text you come home it's time and it was like it got to a point that it was like bam i exposed yeah and I threw the, the relationship out of the wind. And she was like, why? Why are you doing this? And I, it was time. It was better for us. Yeah, it's great in this case that you had the maturity at least to acknowledge that and to acknowledge that that situation did not work for you. Mm -hmm. And not everyone does that. And people usually, they have like the Stockholm syndrome <laughs> that they become <laughs> happy with their captivators. With their captives. No, but that was not the, that was not the case. So... Continuing, so I was in education, I finished my degree in education, I was also in the students' union, and um, I did the last year of my degree here in the sports service of the university. I did, um, how do you say it in English, I did an uh, assess assessment of uh, in the re human resources about who was doing what 
in the sports division of the university okay who was the boss what are his, his tasks who was the under boss and mm -hmm. what his task and like so that it's a mapping yes, yeah, yeah, of a functions mapping. So um, I was also in the student union, so I was going out uh, across the country with, with, with the teams, you know, with a, with a football, handball, stuff like that. And I was showing up, I was showing to, to the people in the sports division that I had um, skills and capabilities of leadership and taking care of business. So when I finished my degree and the communication project was starting up, uh, they invite me to stay in the communica communication project because I was also I also had uh, the skill to write and uh, take some photos, really lousy photos. So at, you were already taking photos back then. Yes, but I started. It was it was like this. It, this was like in 2004, and you had uh, the university championships in the in the city of Guarda, mm -hmm. and I went there with the teams, you know, to take care of the logistics and also to write the news about the, the the results so i took a sony camera mavic you know those old ones i don't know to, man, take, I was you know, young. <laughs> <laughs> to take the photos of the teams and i start you know taking photos and i start enjoying it. so i decided to buy a new camera you know and then i started taking the the photography business a little bit more serious so the, um, the communication project at university at the sports service start growing 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 I start photographing, writing even more. In 2006, I was invited by the um, SC Braga, the, the 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 team from our city, to work. Ah, yeah, yeah, to work for uh, Sporting Club de Braga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sporting Club de Braga for the volleyball department. So for five or six years, I was doing all the press releases and doing all the photographies for the female team, volleyball so team. So they hired you through photogra photography, and yeah. then. It, it By photography, not, you accumulated the social media tasks of yeah, communication. Back then, back then, it was not social media. I'm going yeah. to explain you. And it was not hired. And I was working pro bono because it's like this. Oh. In football, you have a lot of money. In the, others, in the other spots, you don't have money. So basically, these were girls that were studying university. And they were playing basically free, you know. For free. free. Yeah, basically for free. They were in the first first division, national division. They were playing for free, basically. So they were from students that study at, at university, university and then they were the, playing for Braga, yeah. In the, as their hobby. They were playing yeah. competitively kind of in the hobby. They were like I'm professionals, but earning zero. Yeah, but if you earn zero, by definition, you yeah. are not a professional. It's just a hobby. Yeah, Even but if you it's were playing, like the national competition. Like. Yeah, but you were playing against professionals. You know, some, some teams, they had professional players. So, basically, for five years, back then, you didn't have Facebook or Instagram or stuff like that. So, basically, every time the, the, the team went to play, I was, I was with the team taking photographs and doing the, the report. Then, I sent to all the media outlets in the region. Right. The newspapers. Yeah, newspapers. And uh, this was important. Why? Because in the end of the year, I do all the clipping and uh, I did a portfolio with all of the news so that way, the, our coach, when at the end of the year, we went to the, um, to the companies to ask for, for sponsors, stuff like that. And we can show them, oh, here, we have all of these media that mm -hmm. went in Correio Dominio, Jornal de Noticias, all the newspapers with the photos, yeah. with, all the, with all the sponsorship. I did this for five or six years, you know, buying the newspapers, you know, doing all of this. All Cut, of maybe work. cutting, making yeah, a folder by I hand, see, I, see, I, still have those, I still have those at home. And it was, it was funny doing and helped me a lot in improving my photography skills because if you are able 
to correctly um, photograph volleyball, you can correctly you can photograph any sports. Right? So it's basically sport, the specifics of sports photography. Maybe trying to capture the good moment when the athlete hits yeah. the ball or something. Yeah, stuff like that. And then volleyball is very demanding. The timing, the positions, everything. And in, in, and then when you have lousy sports halls, like you have like you have here in Portugal in in some in some teams and you need clear good backgrounds that is can be really challenging for you yeah so after that um i also was invited to to work in a nightclub photographing at night photographing <laughs> yeah it was photographing it was for nine years and it was a really really great experience really? you know yeah but I'm this one this was paid okay. i'm surprised you lasted nine years because these kind of jobs at night in nightclubs are usually very very demanding you they are demanding up demanding trust me i was like i was working at university from from nine to six okay mm-hmm. and then uh, on so imagine this friday friday you were working at university from nine to six then you go out and then you go home you get ready you you have dinner and then you go to to the nightclub and you work till five six o'clock in the morning and then on the sunday you have volleyball i did this during during two years I was working at a nightclub and I was also working uh, pro bono for volleyball. So sometimes I was gaming out of the nightclub, taking a shower, sleeping like one or two hours, getting into a van and going going into a sports hall with uh, with the girls. Wow! How can you last two years doing this? Because it was it, it was it collapses. Was, it was quite demanding. It was quite demanding. And then it was a time that I went into to the volleyball and I said, okay, guys, it was really a good ride. It was six amazing years, yes. but it's, it's time to stop. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not feeling, you know, feeling the vibe anymore. Mm-hmm. It's really demanding. I'm not earning anything and they pay me well at the nightclub. So I still continue at the nightclub working at and the nightclub. And then it you focus exclusively on photography of nightclub. Yeah. But you, uh, even uh, now you Outside do. university. Because outside my, university, my main, yes. my main work yes. was the. I mean, in terms, in terms of photography, because now you are still very much fancy into sports photography. Yeah, from I work, I work since 2015 for International Sports Federation, for the Modern Pentathlon Federation, and that allowed me to end to to uh, to end to two Olympic Games in Rio and wow. now into into Tokyo. And those are quite some crazy experiences. Yeah, you know? it's one of those things that if you do them, you probably remember that for the whole life. Yeah, it's like this when it's like this when you are a sports photography, the the top the thing that you that you drive that you are aiming to to achieve is to go to a, to an Olympic. You know, so for me in 2016, one of those things that I took out of the bucket list what was that. Now I'm still missing one thing. It's like to shoot in the uh, Winter Olympic Games. Okay, you have but a checklist of things to do. It's not. It's not. Well, it's not kind of a checklist, but is I think when I see the work of other guys, you know, and I see them, I would like to do that. You know, sometimes you know people. You know, sometimes a lot of guys want to do like football World Cups and shit like that. I'm not real. I'm really not into photographing football. I don't. I don't really enjoy my. I don't really enjoy myself photographing soccer, football. You know, because those guys are basically a bunch of pussies. You know, <laughs> most of those guys. And in terms of plastic, you know, or plasticity in, in really great photos, 
football, in my opinion, doesn't give you great photos. You know, if you go to handball, basketball, you have a lot of expressions, you know, emotional moments. Football, not so much, in my opinion. Is it because the field is smaller and you have more jumps or more acrobatics? No, it's like you have more contact, like it's handball. Handball is an amazing photograph to, to, sport, to, to shoot. And it's really easy. Basically, you put yourself behind the, the, the goal mm -hmm. and you just let those huge animals, like 192 meters tall, 100 kilograms, like bouncing into each other, like bam, with all of those hands in the faces and wow. shit like that. And you look at the photos and you see, oh shit, this guy was like <laughs> all over the other guy. And you see the, the hand in, and you see the expression. Yeah, in yeah, football, yeah. you don't have this. Yeah, because you, know? you have this moment of, yeah. like when it throws, like yeah. intense rage, maximum power. Like yeah, in volleyball, you also, you also get that. Everything. In basketball, you also get that. In football, not so much, you know. In football, you get a rolling on the yeah. floor, like, oh, so, oh it hurts oh. me. It's, it's like, <laughs> but a funny thing is that one of my favorite photos ever is from football. But it's not about football. Photo that you have taken? Or? No, 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 no. From yeah, another yeah. guy. Okay. It's from, yeah, this guy is from... Um, this guy, I, I cannot remember his name, the photographer. But this, this was... Uh, yeah, a little bit, please. But this was one of the most uh, recognized um, photographs in the history of football. It's basically... Um, Gary... Um, what's the name of the guy... Uh, he has a drinking problem. He was one of the. Um, he was to play for Lazio. I have no idea. A player. Yeah, a player for Lazio. Yeah, he was British. In which decade? This was back in the in the eighties. Oh, I have no idea. Gascoigne. Gascoigne. Okay. That's good. and it was like this. He was supposed to be the next big thing in for 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 England, and with that guy that also did movies in Hollywood. And uh, Vinnie Jones, Vinnie Jones, he was one of the most vil guys playing in, uh, in the Premier League. He was a defender, really a bad guy. I think he still, he still owns the, the record for the fastest, fastest red card in the, in the Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> he was like a fucking animal, you know? What a beast. Yes. So basically, Gascoigne had, uh, had this aura of this very talented guy, but bad guy, you know, pushing the other buttons of the other guys. But... Uh, Vinnie Jones, he was taking no shit from him. So this is basically a photo where you have like Vinnie Jones. Vinnie Jones is like about what? Six foot two, is like one meter ninety. This really badass guy. So you have like Vinnie Jones in front and then you have Gascoigne in the back. And you have like Vinnie Jones grabbing the balls of Gascoigne like this. <laughs> and, you have, and you have Gascoigne like, oh! <laughs> but literally like this, you have them grabbing and the other guys like, grabbing the ball with full hands yeah on oh, you have shit. this on the photo and it's like incredible and this is part of the game this shows incredible. a lot of the game about those two players and yes. it's like and this this was also a really um important moment for me in terms of of learning because a lot of the action in sport is not about who has the ball or who scores the goals it's also about what is happening in the sidelines yes. the other things that many people don't 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 see and that is really important to tell a story you know it seems to me a that rivalry yes it seems to me that you're really valuing the genuinity of yeah. the pictures like trying to capture the moment as yeah. it is the emotion you know behind is like this you you can get so much on the sidelines like one of the things that i really enjoy in photographing modern pentathlon is the finish line and it's not about who wins it's about the expressions that they have 
when they fall down after crossing the line. They, 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 you know, in modern pentathlon, you have a crew of people that are uh, after the, the finish line to take out the athletes from the floor because they, they tumble down. Like they are because dead, like carrying the corpse. Com- they are completely Whoa, dead. You know, shit. they are like, some guys are almost throwing up and stuff like that. Some oh, guys oh. faint because it's very demanding sport. It's like you, you spend the entire day you start doing swimming, then you do fencing, then you do riding, and then you do you run and you shoot. So it's really how many, how many hours is this? Uh, usually the swimming starts at around ten o'clock in the morning, nine thirty, ten o'clock, and then you have the running at six o'clock. So basically, you have like you swim, then you have like one hour or two hours of fencing. Then you do the riding and then you do the running and the shooting. So it's very demanding trip. I thought, I thought triathlon was hard, but they always come up with something no, this, even worse. This is, trust me. And you see, and when you see those expressions after the finish line, you know, those guys crying, other guys really happy, those guys completely, you know, like the edge yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have this raw emotion on the camera. You know, you don't need to explain what was, hap- what was happening there. It's like one of the beautiful things about about um, uh, martial arts and uh, combat sports is that you don't need to explain that that is something that it comes comes from our being um, from being uh, animals from being human beings is about the fight you know thing that it's in our nature you don't need to explain you see those guys you see a photo of guys fighting you don't need what are you doing here they're beating yeah. the shit out of each yeah, other yeah, yeah. you probably put a volleyball or a basketball and you show to some poor people that does, that doesn't know what the sport. What is doing? Why? What is that basket? What is that net? But you show them fighting. Everybody understands fighting. Yeah, it's like the core emotion of kill yeah. the other guy, yeah. beat him, be Territorial, superior to him. Yeah. yeah, it's basically that. Yeah, and I think it's a sport that captures the mostly the genuine emotion. The genuine emotion that I see, for instance, in the Renaissanceist pictures, where you see these like the Michelangelo times mm-hmm. where. You have this really n- natural human expression when they have the naked bodies, all the mm-hmm. muscles tensed, and the people just not grabbing the balls, but maybe <laughs> hitting on each other. Mm-hmm. And you have these uh, eyes that speak to you. Those gazy eyes. Yeah, yeah. Those eyes is trying to kill you or grab you, or the picture of Kronos eating the sun, mm-hmm. and he has this very focused face as he has the the baby on his hands. Like these are timeless photos or moments or captures. Yeah, because they show emotion. Yeah, they and in this case, what do you think that is the best uh, quality that a photographer should have to capture this emotion in its raw form as it is happening? One other thing that is really important is for you to understand what are you shooting. It's basic. Okay, if you if you if you are going to shoot volleyball, if you are going to shoot handball, if you're going to if you're going to shoot like uh, politics. You should always know what you are shooting. Imagine that you are going to shoot like a political rally. You should understand who is the leader, who is in your position, all of the fights. Because from some time to time, you have to focus. Okay, so this is guy, the guy that is running the um, the the party. But that guy is in the opposition. So let's let's see when this guy is talking and he's talking about a subject that is really. Trouble. Let me let me check the face of the other guy that is in the opposition. So you have to be like, 
Who, who's the leader of the opposition? Okay, so he's going to talk about education. And you know that education is a shit. So let <laughs> me focus on his face to see what he's going to react when he talk about that subject. So it's like anticipating the emotion yeah. before it appears. Because yeah. when it appears, you need to be ready to click. Of course. Right? Because like this, imagine that, that the leader is talking about a really, a really sensitive subject that is going to 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 rattle the emotions of the, of the people in the party but you don't know that and you are only focused on the guy speaking right. and you are missing all of the reactions of the guys that fuck these guys doing ah, and you're going yeah, to miss yeah, this yeah. and this is important to tell the story because if you only show the guy talking you are and, and then the other guy at, at the office the the guy that is writing is going to say so he doesn't have uh, the photo of the guy that was doing the opposition and talking smack to him no I was just talking to, so you are missing a part of the story right. so you have to understand what you are shooting yeah that's something that is occurring to me now hearing you speak is that if you want to capture the moment by photography if you are just reacting to things you are going to miss it so you really need to have this foresight yeah. to know okay when is going to happen and what and Maybe what is the meaning of what is happening? Because, okay, in a fight, everyone knows the meaning, right? You want to kill okay. the other guy, you want to be superior, you want to prove you're the best and win a gold medal. But in a political, maybe, okay, in a political setting, you have this thing, okay, what is the meaning of the reaction of the opposition? Is this consensual? Is it not? Yeah. What is there? And that's a beautiful way to see photography. Yeah, it's like that. It's like in sports photography. You know, now now you, you are having the Olympics in, in, in China, in, in Pekin, in Beijing, the Winter Olympics. And you see a lot of photos that are really amazing because of the um, theatrical. You know, you know that the guy is going to jump, especially in the period, you know, the guy is going to jump and going to do this. So we are going to do a painting so they, they, they put the camera, especially in certain positions, so you can see the guy, and then you see the like the, um, the architectural of the of the place. Ah. So you have to frame it. So for you to frame it, you have to understand that they are going to do this and this in this place. So you have to understand this. Okay. So that's okay. also the part of preparation that you yes. are explaining in a political setting, but it's also required in yeah. sports photography. Of course. Well. So you have to understand or say, okay, so what? What are they doing? When are they doing? Okay, so if they if they do this, so I have to be here at this time to press the, the, the shutter. In terms of, I was going to say in terms of sports photography, but it can be any photography. Mm -hmm. What is the photo that makes you most proud? I can then put this on on the video so people can to see. Me? Yeah, okay. Probably it was one of the first photos that I took in the Olympic Games in 2016. And uh, this is one of the photos that I'm really proud of because it was a very challenging one, you know. One of my photo heroes is Donald, Donald Mirale. This is guy is like the fucking Ronaldo of photography. This guy has been into 10 or 15 Olympics. This guy won the World Press photo. This guy is really good. This, this guy is a source of inspiration for me and other photographers. And this, how, this is was how I find out about underwater cameras, you know, to take photos of underwater. Right. So I was checking his work. And when I went to work for the Modern Pentathlon Federation, I said to my media manager that was a, a good friend of mine, and it was him that put the foot on the door for me to, to get into to the Federation. I said, Rock, we must need 
underwater house holding to put a camera to get these photos. This is going to take us to another level in terms of image, of exposition. So we managed to talk with, um, he managed to talk with, uh, with the Secretary General, Chinese, the, the, the Chinese, and he, um, he convinced her to, to buy a, ho a house holding. So he, house holding is to insulate the camera yeah, yeah, yeah. for underwater for shots. So they spend around five thousand five thousand euros. Five thousand. Yeah, what? just just for the for the water housing, to to the camera. So, and this was really just before going to the Olympics. So basically, imagine this: I had the, the plane on the Monday to to Rio de Janeiro, and the householding arrived me on the Friday. So yeah. basically, I didn't have any time to test. I didn't have the swimming pool. So this was all new. So I was putting the, the, the camera inside the house holding, fill up my bathtub, <laughs> setting everything up and start shooting so it's it to work. And so you, are, you have to change the filters in the camera because the light is different underwater, that kind of settings, yeah. right? So you have to do it. Calibrate like, it. You have, to, you have to, to, to set everything before putting the camera uh, under the water. But this part is funny because it's like, I just want to test it to see if it, everything was working or if it was shooting. So I took the photos and I sent the photos to Rock from my cell phone. Rock, we have camera, it's working, it's in my bathtub. <laughs> and it was funny, but, but, and I was nervous. So yeah. I, 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 I see that the, the camera was working. So the next step was arriving in Rio and set it up in the swimming pool. And this was the tricky part because this was the first time. So I had to develop, I have to, to get a tripod, to get some some weights from the gym, to fix the um, the camera on the on the on, on the, the floor? On the floor of, of, the, the, of swimming the swimming pool. pool. Yeah. Oh, shit. And then this was funny because it was like this was all new and there was a lot of pressure to get a good photo. Uh, while I was waiting, you know, for the um, for the guy, you have to wait for uh, the the swimming pool responsible to to arrive to arrive and to authorize and to 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 check the equipment. So the guy comes and says, "Oh, I'm I'm sorry because I was checking out on the other swimming pool and there was the Russians. They want to install a, it was a robotic camera, you know, completely different thing, and they had to 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 put a, a cable with electricity from uh, the water in the so, water yeah, oh, so shit, that's to, to to feed, you know to feed the the, the, the robot you know right. because some like like it could be autonomous like with a, a battery or hmm? something. it could be autonomous with a battery no 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 at no, the time, maybe no, you have, no you have you have to feed the robot trust me okay. because like if you if you if you look at there is a, fu a very funny photo from the Olympics in 2016 so you have the Michael Phelps lane and you have all the other lanes so in the Michael Phelps lanes, you see like, I think it's like two or three robots. And then you have like the household Underwater. Yeah. Everything and then you have the householdings like mine. What's the difference between the householding and the robots? When With the householding, you put the camera in there and you point it one one spot and that's it. With the robot, you put the camera inside the robot and the robot allows you to change the angle of the camera, to change the speed, to change everything. So you can shoot the guy when he jumps out mm -hmm. and then you can you can turn around and jump the guy when he comes in mm -hmm. and then you can jump the guys all on the side when they come. So it gives you this. So the robot is a rotating head? Yeah, it's a rotating head. But it's not moving or is it? It's the robot the, itself. It's no, the robot itself is fixed on the ground, but the, the oh, rotating the head, head yeah. allows you to do, to do that. Basically, it's like Associated Press, Reuters, Getty that have this, and these are like really fucking expensive. You know, I can imagine. Like if just the case was five thousand yeah. years, then these no, this you are talking like serious money. And then you have like this guy operator in the remote in the booth, you know, 
changing everything. So this is, is an, an, another... So you another, were competing another. as the underdog with just a no, small case? A funny, <laughs> a funny thing is that I, I, I had no competition in the swimming pool because like modern pentathlon in terms of Olympics, you know, Olympics, you know, it doesn't have a lot of media like swimming, you know. So basically when I was setting up the remote, I was the only one guy with a remote. And this was funny because like... I was nervous. I set it up. The guy said, "Okay, okay. You just put like this, like this. I follow these tips, and it was really went everything okay." So, I was getting out of the swimming pool with my Hawaiian shorts. You know, I didn't <laughs> change to the other shorts. I just went there, put a, put a t-shirt and a, and a, and the vest, and the other guys start coming. You know, to the swimming pool, and this was funny because um, the fact that I had a remote gave me credit. Uh, in terms of relationship with other guys. I'm not going to, to explain, you know. Um, I was there with, a, with, a, with my shorts, you know, with my camera, and then the guys start arriving, and then two of the guys arrive and sit near me, and they say, hey, hello, how are you? Hello, how are you? And one of the guys, and this guy was working, I think it was for Reuters or Getty, so the two big, big companies in terms of photography, and looks at, at my shorts like, Fuck this guy has shorts. What a noob. So, so he goes like, "Yeah, I like your shorts." And I was like, "Yeah, I know that he was saying this, you know, to tease me." And I was like, "You motherfucker!" So I go to him. Yeah, no, I have, no, I have the shot because I went into the swimming pool to set up a remote, and he was like, "Oh, you have a remote?" And I was like, "Yeah, motherfucker, I have a remote." And Show then, off, take it. And then, as soon as I said that, I set up a remote in the water camera. He completely changed his attitude toward me. He like he respected me. He knew that I that I was knew that I knew what I was doing, you know. And the funny thing is that during the competition, you know, the final stage, I went to a position and there he was. And then I went into the finish line to a certain position, and then he was like near me. And it was like we're looking at each other and I was like, fucking respect. <laughs> and then even the as they were crossing the line, it was like <laughs> one, two, three, and then we were the first two guys like sprinting up to the podium. So when we arrive at the podium, we're like, again, looking at each other. And Islam, like, respect, man. And it's like, for me, this is like one of the, one of the most important things that you can have in terms of profession, a professional is like when you have the recognition of your pairs, of the people that shoot behind yes. you or, or on your side. So when you have a guy that works for Getty or Reuters and like, yeah, you are good because they're like mm -hmm. these guys are are the best in the business. You know, if you work for Getty, or if you work for Reuters, are they man, really the you best, or you just have like right time, right opportunity, right friends? No, usually no. Usually, when you are on Reuters on Getty, they evaluate your work, and you have to be really good to to be there. It's like I'm not I'm not I'm not going to um, to lie about this shit. You know, when I went into the into the modern pentathlon federation. It was because of a friend, but it was not because we were really good friends. No, he, like I told before, he put the foot on the door to me. It was in 2015, he was working there because also a friend of ours put the, the foot in the door to him. Mm -hmm. And so he had to prove himself, Right. okay? And sometimes you need someone to put the foot in the door yeah, that's to you. It's, it's like, it's not like, it's different when you like when you have like uh, uh, uncle or a father or someone that is really f and gives you a job and like it doesn't matter if you do well or right. This job is yours. You yeah. can fuck it up. It's yours. No, it's like the other guy was like, okay, I have a person here that can do this job. Do you want to give him a chance? And that was happened to me. 
my friend Rock, you know, he was the media manager and he told Chinese, the, the Chinese, and the Chinese are fucking demanding. Yeah. So, no, uh, Shiny, we need a photographer, we need photos to, to feed the Instagram, to press release, everything like that. I have a friend that worked in the university, he's really good. Do you want to give him a shot? And she said, okay, let's give him a shot. So I went to Rome. They, they only paid me the, the, the travel expenses and the hotel, so I didn't get paid for anything. This was a test drive. So I went there, I did the competition, and in the end, Shiny said, okay, I like your job. You are going to, to go to Berlin, to the World Championships, and you are going to tell me how much you want to earn per day. So I did, I give. So I went to Berlin, and then in Berlin, I did this, this, I did this fucking amazing job, and she came to me, and he says, I really love your work. I want you to go to France, to Qatar, and to Georgia to shoot these three competitions. Said, okay, Shiny, let's go. So after France and after Georgia, it was in the second day of the of Georgia, the world the world championship for biathlon and triathlon. She came to me. No, no, do you want to go to the Olympics with us? And I said, "Fuck that yeah!" It was the first time you went to the Olympics, so yeah, it was you had to prove yourself in all these yes. championships, yes. in all these sports. It was it was not because my my friend, you know, it was not yeah. because my, no, it was important for him to put the foot on the door. But it's like if you if you do not provide. You're out of the so door. that's like it created the opportunity yeah. for you to prove yourself yeah and then i took advantage of it and that's what i feel that we can do as humans we want to help our friends but i, th I think it's not considered to be political if you just give the opportunity you don't give like as you said you just give the job with no responsibility at all then of course it's biased but if you just create opportunity and you yeah. allow people to show their potential and to show what they can do I think there's nothing wrong with that. It was what happened with me. And it, one of the things that, that I really love and that gives me some pride is that in seven years, now this is seven years, I had three media managers. And when Rock left uh, the, the, the Federation, after he was, he was there from 2014 to 2016. Then it remained there a Brazilian guy, Leandro. Mm -hmm. And I, I stood, I stood uh, his ground in a decision, in a competition. Um, and uh, when he left out the, when he left the, the modern Pentathlon Federation, he went into the new media manager, the French guy that is also, we became really good friends. And he told me, always keep Nuno. Don't ever, don't ever left Nuno, Nuno go. And back then, the, the French, I was like, why the fuck is he telling me that? <laughs> and after a few competitions, you know, he understood that. Yeah. And now we became really good friends. He, he also he, he even invited me to his wedding, you know. So when, when, you, awesome. when you are able to establish this kind of relationships, okay, uh, they are really, they're really good, you know. And it's, it's just not about how you are in terms of professional, you know, in terms of what you can provide is also in terms of who you are. You know, it's really important for you, if you want to establish yourself as a, as a, success, as a, as a successful professional in, in, in each area you work, you also, you also have to be a good person. I, right. I, I truly believe in this because sometimes it's like, you can be really good in performance, but you can be a fucking dick. And eventually people get tired of fucking dicks. It's what's called human... Emotional intelligence is knowing how to relate with other yes. human beings and being kind and being tolerant and being a cool guy to be yeah. around because that's what we want to be fun to be around. Trust me. And when, and when you are a people person, opportunities come. 
For and sure. this, For and sure. this is how, like this, I started in university, then I went to Braga, then I went to the nightclub, then I went to Modern Pentathlon Federation. Already had a proposal for other university that told me, okay, if you ever want to leave the University of Minho, don't worry, I have a, I have a work here for you. So it's like this. It's not. It's like I can get you ten guys that can do the the same job as I do. Okay, mm-hmm. because like in photography, everybody, it's not that hard to do a competent work. Okay, I can do other stuff that are like, you you develop like this personal lingua- language or this this vision of the world, but. It's not like fucking rocket scientists. You'll yeah, have like yeah. two or three guys in the world. You know, other people can do the job. But if you do the job good and you are a good person, people want, want, want you by your side. So you know? would you say that the thing that sets you apart from all these other photographers is your character and the way you interact with other people? Just the kind of natural connection that you establish with others yes. and just being fun to be around and just yes. being different. You know, it's like this. If I... If I if, if I if I had been a fucking dick as a coach to you, right? Yeah. I would not be here. Oh, that's true. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. No, you. you were, that's the you thing. Were, like, even you, though you were my student, you were my student. You know, like as a coach, I used to do a little bit of bully, you know, and messing around with people. Yeah, but but they okay. like it. You know, that's they okay. like it. They, they have fun. That's okay if you know how to be smart about it, because that's also something I notice is that some people they see, oh, look at this person that is interesting and fun but they don't understand why it's fun and they go past the boundaries mm-hmm. and they start to be dicks without realizing and they make mean comments but it's very hard to be just uh how to say it just um do not crossing the line being in that yes it's like being offensive enough That's to not be normal mm-hmm. but not too offensive to really make people trigger and make you not yeah. fun anymore. It's a very yeah. hard thin process line. to master. It's a very thin line, trust me. Yes. And I, 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 li- I like to walk that line, you know. You know sometimes during, during my, my work at university, you know, and I, I'm, not, I'm not going to say that I rub shoulders with some, with some important people because they are in a level that I'm not. But it's, it's also good when you are like people like your father and you're like, yeah. they are like high level brains, you know, that, are, that you know that are not in your pay grade or, or your level. But when they are near you, they treat you properly and they treat you with, with respect. And they come to you, no, no, who are you? <laughs> How, oh, when are you going to do the calendar and stuff like that? Yeah. And it's good, you know, to... Yeah, I think it's bullshit to believe that people are different in the sense that, oh, he earns more than me or is my boss is different from me. Like, no, man. That's what people used to think for centuries, that there's this royal blood and yeah. they are different from us and they're the imperials. That's all bullshit. Like, bullshit. We are all human beings and we're all equal. Huh? I think that people, if just try to make artificially seem like they are more than what they are, it's just about ego and about politics or whatever. Yeah. And I don't buy into that. For me, every person is valuable. Even if you have the worst job they can think. Like Even if it's actually quite like that. If you have a very bad job, then I even empathize more because... I thank you because it's jobs that people normally don't want to don't do. Don't want to do it. And I say thank you very much. I value a lot. Uh, you sh- yeah, you should always respect everybody. It's like this: if you want, if you want to see how you are as a leader, you should see how that people, how that people take care of the lower people. You know. Yes. If 
if you are like this, it's like when Machiavelli says, it's better to be loved or to be feared. Of course, it's to be loved. Like, it's no be loved, question. You know, to be respected, you know? Like, what else can we do as human beings than to show love and true affection to others? That's, I think that's a human value in a way. We tend to think that it's not normal because we get all these bad examples from TV and politicians, but that's a very specific scenario and a very filtered mentality. I believe that most people are very kind and are very loving of others and they want to show that. It's like this. As a human, we have the capability sorry, to, to be really loving and really cruel. It's, yes. it's, it's a matter of the situation. Absolutely. It's like one of the things like I, I'm a really big fan of cinema and, and TV and, and that stuff. And um, one of the series that I really enjoy is Walking Dead. People are oh, Walking Dead. Trust me, Walking Dead is not about zombies. It's about how humanity can rebuild after, after a collapse. And the way they explore and they show how we can relate, how we can rebuild as a society, what can a human being do to survive? And you can see, you see situations in that, those kind of shows that you see. What, what would I do in this situation? That it's him or me. Yeah. It's his family or me. And that makes, that makes you think yes. about, you know, and, you, and you, you see yourself in the mirror and say, fuck, I'm a decent guy. But I could, in that situation, probably I'll do a, an, a horrendous crime. And that makes you think. That's, I think, the, what makes works timeless, is that when they deal with human nature, and since human nature never changes, it only changes the circumstances in which we exist that manifest different aspects of us or promote certain things, but uh, things that really go to the core of what we are, to how we behave, I think that's what really hits us and mm -hmm. what makes something really a great work yeah i remember for instance uh, one one idea or one conversation that really struck me was when jordan peterson a canadian philosopher that mm -hmm. is very famous nowadays and he was trying to teach his students about human nature and he said that he did this exercise in class because he was lecturing on psychology and he mm -hmm. said imagine that you're a prison guard in or that you're a policeman in 1930s in germany how do you go from being a regular citizen or a regular policeman to being a Nazi policeman working for the state? Like, what is the mental process or the context that these people face? And do you think they would, he would ask his students, do you think you would do the same? Or what was the action that you decide? Because normally we have this distance. Oh, they were just Nazis, whatever. But no, no they were human beings. So the question is, what would we do in the context? How will we define ourselves? And that's very profound. That really points the finger at you and say, you're not different from them. Or they yeah. were not different from you. You, if you were in their context, you could behave exactly yeah, the same like way. Yeah, like the same. It's like, it's like I, I remember when, the, when, the, when they started talking smack, smack about Hugo Boss, you know, oh, this was a fucking Nazi. He do all the uniforms, so Hitler and shit like that. Come on, man. It's like, what he, what he was going to do? He's going to say, no, no, I'm not going yeah. to do the, um, the, the outfit to you fuck they were in power you know they were evil you know it was like if i don't these guys are going to fuck me that yeah, doesn't probably, mean that you probably kill him or whatever you know it's like 
One of the funny things is like when they did the, the Neuromarket trials and the guy that signed um, the surrounding was called Donitz. It was the admiral for, for the Navy. And um, this guy, you know, a lot of generals from, from the United States and other countries, they testify in favor of him because he was like, this guy was a military, a career military. It was not like a fucking Nazi. He had to do his work because it was his job. Yeah, he was not a bad person, you know. That was his job. And that's the thing. Like, you don't have to be a bad person to do bad things. You just yeah. need to be put in the right context, that's in which you have no choice. No choice. And it can happen to anyone at any time. We are never safe yeah. from that. It's like you, 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 you. If you don't, if you don't see Walking Dead, you can see the Korean. The, how it was that on Netflix? That was this huge success. Uh, Korean movie or series? No, the series, TV series on Netflix. I don't watch series. It was, I don't watch um, Netflix. I don't know. Ah, oh, damn. I, f I keep forgetting. Oh, was it the one that was very bloodthirsty? They were killing each other. Yeah, the kids yeah. were watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I because, don't know the because name. Because they had 2-1 a game, you know. Oh, I don't know the name, but I know what you're referring. Yeah. And I think it was a problem because the parents were concerned. The kids yeah, were watching all this violent were, shit yeah. with murder and all yeah. that. Very hardcore. Yeah, and you're like this. What would I do in this, in this situation? And you yes. see that they were like... And you see that they were not bad persons. And then you can see like a bad guy doing a good deed. And you can see a, a good person do a bad deed. You know, yes. it's like the situation. And I think that gives humility to believe that... Okay... What are my limits as a human being? What will trigger me? What will push me over the boundary? And how will I react towards people that have crossed that boundary? Will I punish them? Will I feel resent towards them? Will I try to understand the context that created that and be empathetic towards them? It's like, one, it's like sometimes only when you are put to the test in certain, in certain situations, that, that you can say that, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Before that, you cannot. It's like, yes. in my personal life, there is only probably one thing that I'm ashamed. Okay? And um, when I did that thing, before doing that thing, I would say, oh, fuck, I don't know how, how a guy that do this shit can look himself into the mirror. And after doing that shit, I was looking myself into the mirror. And I was like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. Who are you? But you are still doing your life. And that, that really messed up a lot of things in me. Because I did a bad shit. And I had to live with that. And I was living, you know, my regular life. Yeah. And, like and I was like, who am I? Like recal recalibrating your values. Completely. How you see yourself. Completely. And but, there you cannot lie. Like you can lie to others. I'm a great guy. I do this. But when you look inside, there's no lying. You know what you're doing. You know what you did. You know. And it is like before before being in in those shoes, I was like, no, I'll never do that. You know, those guys are motherfuckers. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then I was like, and I fuck. Yeah, like the shit that others do is not so far away. We tend to think, oh, it's I will never do that. But it's not. It's very never close. spit into the air because it yes. can fall on you. Yes, been there, done that. Yeah, and it's very close, and we are very much alike, more than we like to think. <laughs> and in like in this case, when we f when we face something that we don't like or we don't agree with, I don't talk even about when introspection when you're looking at yourself. But let's go back to the example of the 
people that were living in Nazi Germany or about to be in Nazi Germany. I think the way that you deal with that is by telling the truth and staying true to what you believe that is right. Because these bad situations, they happen when people lower their heads. Even if they feel that something is wrong, they mm -hmm. okay lower their heads, look to the side, nothing to do with me. But I think that we, if we as human beings, we always say, okay, no, this is wrong. I don't agree with this. And speak it loud and try to act on it. I think that's a good way to prevent bad things from happening. Yeah, but like this, we have, we have to learn it the hard way. But even now in certain situations, it's not easy to speak loud, you know? No, of course not. But that's why hard times need courage. And like we yes. said earlier, we're not going to talk about COVID, but... I don't want to talk if you don't want to talk. <laughs> but if you want to talk, we can talk. But I feel that I see that lots of what's happening now is when people don't have courage and they see things that are wrong and they don't make sense and they lower their head and they say, okay. But we can talk COVID, you know. No, it's okay. Um, I, even, I even got, I, I like so much COVID that I even got it twice. Twice, man. Yes, yes, twice. I got, it, I got it was it funny. Once. I got it once. I had symptoms for not even 24 hours and I had to stay one week at home. In quarantine yeah i was perfectly fine i was like but you you're a pussy only had like this new variation this week variation yeah, 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 yeah. i had the first one oh. and i took it like a man <laughs> <laughs> you lowered your pants come to me <laughs> no it was Houston. funny because it was like i got i got the first time in 2020 and now in 2021 and the first time i only got like lost my smell for five days yeah only that kind of scary no, I, it, it was not scary. Trust me, I, I didn't feel scary because like on the first day, I didn't know that I had and I feel like really tired, you know, but I think it was because what I did in the in the day before because I, I had fooled around quite a bit. So I think, oh, I'm a little bit tired because of this. But only on the second day that I wake up and I say, fuck, I'm tired, that shit. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no. Let me. Could it let, be? Let, <laughs> could it be? So, so I, so I get um, the perfume and I got that. You know, I was like, shit, I got COVID. Okay. And it's like I was, not, I was really not afraid. I was pissed because I lost something because of COVID. Um, you mean uh, an event, something um, like that. I was, you know, I was, I was having this summer passion with okay, a Persian yeah. girl, and it was like I was having like a really good time and we we met we managed to get covid at the at the same time that's good so we don't have to be apart uh, no but we were apart because she was in port and i was in braga and oh. and this was the time that okay when you are in covid the doctor is going to call you every day oh, the police okay. can go to your door you know controls in train stations well, i think it changed a lot less i got covid two weeks ago so we are in february i got it in the end of january and no one gives a shit no I had to call it. them to say, okay, what will I do? Like call the national service. Yeah. What can I do? When will I give? Uh... Been there, than that. The second time so, with me was like this. Yeah, me. yeah. So it was completely different. And the second time is like, I didn't have any symptoms, you know, zero symptoms. I was having lunch with my former boss. And this is another funny thing about COVID and it's so fucking crazy. So my former boss, it was on my left and another colleague of mine was in front of me. So we had lunch for like one and a half hours in the same table. I got COVID. The guy in front didn't get COVID. How can you explain me that? 
I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Because normally you say that the transmission is proportional to the time that you spend inside a closed space. And so we, that the particles accumulate in the air. So we were the three of us in a closed space for like one hour and a half. Yeah, that's enough and, time and, for and it everyone was, to get. And it was like my boss was on my left and the other guy's in front of him. That's enough time to get it. But so, the thing is, bodies are different. Body, yeah. Like what, what is enough virus to infect someone yeah. might not be enough virus to infect another, another. One, and we don't know that. But basically, my former boss got me COVID and the other guy in front didn't get. But the other guy, like after... 15 days after he got COVID. So it, it's like... Yeah, it's kind of inevitable. It's like crazy. nowadays they're all going to get it. I don't yeah. think there's a way we... No, it's like... Now with like... With, with the vaccines and everything like that, life must return to normal, you know? Yeah. Like it Period. still puzzles me how there's these mask mandates everywhere. And it's been shown that masks don't work all that well. They don't work as much as well as we thought. It's, like, it's like this. For me, it doesn't make sense to have masks on the outside. For me, it's like, if you are on the outside, you don't need masks. It never made sense. But that has been a political thing, like, to yeah. maybe put fear on people. I don't know. But it never made sense. It's never explainable. Inside, inside, like, closed space, okay, it can prevent. Because, like this, I had COVID. I was with my girlfriend for entire 10 days. And we were wearing masks. And we managed to... I yeah. managed to not to, con to, to pass COVID to her. That might play a part, but the thing that I see happening with masks, and I see it for many months, is that people put a mask and they think that it's a barrier of invulnerability. Like you put a mask, you're perfect, you can do whatever. And you can enter a room where an infected person has been for many hours, so the air is full of virus mm -hmm. load, and you can be in there and do whatever. And I think that the focus on masks has shifted people from things that matter more, like having good ventilation, like opening a window is much mm. more important than any mask you can see. And nowadays, the distinction between indoor space and outdoor space is not so clear because, okay, you have an indoor space, but you have like three wind, big windows open. Mm. Is that indoor or is it outdoor? Yeah. And I people understand. are still putting mask yeah. mandates in these situations. Yeah, but it's like this. I understand the, um, the part, the, I understand the side of the, of the government, you know, they have to take care of the population and it's like it's it's not easy to assess any situation sometimes in situations like this is it's about good sense i would say it's about good science which does not exist for covid for many reasons i don't we don't need to go into there but there is an obvious lack of good data for these kind of decisions like data on lockdowns data on masks it's all on, it's all new no you you have to do something it was new two years ago but it's, it's been two years i know it's like and we still don't have good data some because like you 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 are basically almost a scientist or kind of a scientist you have your phd you know that collecting data analyzing that is a long process and oh. two years is nothing but it's more than zero. I think like there's been I think there's been enough time to do studies that are not conclusive because in science nothing is ever conclusive, but to give you enough perspective into what might be at play. But the thing is these studies have not been happening. They've not been tried to happen. So you see many political decisions that are made based on uh, game theory, which is you make decisions based on how people will react mm -hmm. and not on what actually matters. 
sometimes it happens like this, you know, but it's not easy. Yeah, yeah it's not, it's easy. not easy. But anyway, I don't want to go okay. into that and make a cartoon. You didn't um, end, end up telling me what was this favorite picture of yours. You start oh, to describe so, yeah, yeah, so the, the pool and the this, competition this, with this the is, guy, this is typical, what was the picture? This is typical in, in me. It sucks. You, you start talking about something and, and we get lost in, in that. Yeah, I'm going to get more liquor so, and ice. But you can so basically, um, I set up the, the, the remote. We, uh, the other guys start messing around with me. I said that I have the remote and everything goes, goes peaceful. So the guys get into, ready to the swimming pool and they jump. And so basically this photo is uh, a square with a round and then you have all of the guys uh, and then you have all of the guys in the air before entering the water. In terms of visual impact, it's a really great photo. The whole lane of yeah, athletes. It's like, so I have two things that in that photo that, that I really mm -hmm. love. It's like the, the looks, the plasticity of the photo and then everything that is behind that photo, you know, the, the struggle, the process, this is why this is one of my favorite photos right and i can i can show it to you I have it here it's okay on. i will put it on the video okay. for people to see so but yeah i can i think i can imagine it yeah. it's it's, it's really it's really a, yeah. a great photo so let's talk a bit also about the judo calendar because yeah. i think it was quite in innovative at the time so this was eight nine years ago I this was in was no 2015 it was seven years ago seven years ago seven okay. years ago so this was basically a calendar that was black and white with yeah. athletes naked yeah judo athletes naked and that they were my students yes your students yes i took advantage of my students i'm such a bad guy yeah yeah but i know that you didn't ask me maybe i was not hot enough to be <laughs> naked I, in pictures <laughs> i don't think that back then you were you were with me because this is was this, I think this was in my first year as a coach, I think. Yeah, probably. I my first year as a coach. I don't want to ask. So like, so these people, I think it was really innovative and I think people should look it up. And they had original things covering their private parts, like judo belts or helmets from motors. Or I wanted to ask, like, what was your motivation to do this besides looking at hot naked athletes? Ah, it's like this. I always, I always um, enjoyed um, the these nude athlete photos from Sports Illustrated. They have the body issue. I also knew that uh, the guys in in England, the universities, used to do like guys from rowing do these calendars, you know, to help the the needy students and stuff like that. And it was like I see I was looking at that and I was like this this could see, this could be something that I could do. I really enjoyed that that kind of, of photo, you know, with the with the with the strong bodies, you know, and also to have um, a good reason behind that. So first I tried to do this, it was back in two thousand and ten. Uh, it was with the Taekwondo guys, with Rui Braganza, that is the, our he, Olympian from Taekwondo. Yeah, he's, he's champion, right? Yeah, yeah he was, he was th I think he was three times uh, European champion, one time vice world champion, bronze medal in the world championships. Also, wow. He's like, he's the real deal. Badass he, guy. Yeah, badass. Yeah, and he was like, he's, he's a really, really nice guy. He's a really amazing guy. And he's, he's a doctor, you know. He finishes in degree in, in med school. In this is guys. This is a good example for for young people. Rubregans, a really great guy. So basically, back then, the, the a lot of high level athletes were training and studying at University of Minho, 
and they didn't have a lot of support. So uh, I was friend with a lot of them. And I said to them, "Hey guys, do you want to do a, this like this nude calendar? This could be good, you know. We could, I could get you some media, you know, the, for the sponsors and everything." And at first they were on board, and then two days after, I said, "Oh, I don't think that would be a good idea." And I was like, "Like they were fuck. shy." And I was to be like, naked. "I was like to myself, you fucking bunch of pussies." <laughs> but I was like, "No problem, I'll do this eventually." So time went through, and I um, there was opportunity for me to to grab the opportunity to be a judo coach in university, and I start being a coach in in the university. So um, this also came into a time that we were passing through a, a serious crisis here in Portugal. You know, a lot of students they didn't have money to pay for the tuitions, for the food, for everything. And some of the students they came to me and said, "Hey, coach, can I pay my my fee next month because I don't have?" Here okay. it was the middle of the austerity, right? Yeah, and so I was like, I was like, shit, I have my, I have my. Um, my paycheck from university this was a a side job i don't, don't need money don't need to to worry you can pay me next month no problem so i already had some students i was like 20 or 25 students i said shit now this seems like a good time we are in a, in, a, in a we are like in this bad social situation i have athletes let me talk to them so i started talking with like five or six that i knew that were really close friends mm -hmm. of mine and i knew that basically if i challenge them they will say yes so I already had like five or six that I knew that were going to say okay. So when I get to the um, to the judo training, I said, "Hey guys, this is it. What do you think about this idea? Do a do a judo a judo nudo ca calendar to help the needy children for university." And the funny thing is that back then, these were like 20 guys, two girls. The first okay. two persons that raised their arm to be in the calendar were the two girls. Which Angela normally you would Martha. not expect because yeah. they were like, oh, they want to, they are afraid of showing their no, bodies. But or these, these girls, and they were like fucking hot. Angela and Marta, they are really hot girls, you know, athletes, you know, beautiful girls. So they said, we are, we want to be in. And I was like, damn. And nice. every, no, all of the guys start looking at each other. Shit, if they, if they go naked, I also go. So they start <laughs> raising their arms. And like, oh, if, if they're going to be at like photo shoot, they will be naked. I want to be there. Let's go. <laughs> and uh, basically I was like me and Jose, that is also a guy that is also a, a, a professor yeah. here in the, in the education um, institute. We were also to be in the calendar, in the first edition. So, but when I start counting all of the guys, one, two, three, twelve, and I said, "Okay, you are the guys that that, that are going to be in the calendar." So, Jose and me, we didn't, we didn't need to to be in the calendar. And it was funny because when the calendar came out, everyone was like, "Why, why are you not in the calendar? Yeah, you only put the other people." <laughs> Don't worry. In the second calendar, we are going to be we are going to be naked. And then when the second calendar calendar came out and we were naked yeah you were always showing off always naked and they were like come on <laughs> really it's like people you, are always talking shit oh man. always talking shit if you get naked it's because you get naked if you don't get yeah. naked it's because you put other people naked and it was like fucking this. haters but it's it is what it is yeah, but it right. was like it was it was funny because it's like when i started this project i knew that the project will be with with, with have success because like I had a good, I had a, a good motive behind it, you know, to help the needed students. The photos was good. The timing was good because we were in the crisis. The social timing. Yeah, the social yeah, I time. remember the photos were very well taken, mm -hmm. very creative. 
it was not that they just uh, just pose no. and do that. They had really this artistic element and yeah. the originality to them. So basically, and I had the contacts because I work in in the area. I had the contacts in in the TV. So when I started sending the press release, I already had the the national television on board because I had a good friend there and and I talked to him and he said, okay, don't worry, I'm going to to do the covering this. So basically, I sent the press release on the, on the Monday night. And on the Wednesday, I had the, the guy from the um, from the um, media office from the university that where I work now. But yeah. back then, I was not there. Like, no, 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 no. I have here sick and and TV that want to 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 film wow. you this the morning. Na- I was the like, national TV, television. yeah, the two, two national TV. They want to to do you to this morning. I was like, what the fuck? And I was start calling to Marta, to Angela, to other guys. To come on, guys, you need to be here at eleven o'clock. So they were talking to their boss because two of them already worked. They were talking to their bosses to to come yeah. to university to talk. And they the bosses were really cool, so they allowed them to go out of the job oh, that's to be on TV. And it was really nice. And it was like we were talking to the to the TV and everything. So in that first year, we managed to get around ten thousand euros. Because it was in, like in donations, or uh, it was like five thousand, five no, it, no, it was like five thousand in donations, and then um, we sold eight. I think it was eight hundred, um, eight hundred uh, calendars. Mm-hmm. So it was basically around eight thousand euros that we it's managed. Very nice. Yeah. To very, very five thousand, five thousand euros were from the International Judo Federation. I sent an email with a project with everything. And after a while, like after a month, I got an email from them and I was like, shit, this is, this is like one of those emails from Nigeria, from that guy <laughs> trying to give, us, like, to give us $10 billion. Yeah. He's like, and then I was like, no, shit, this looks real. So I started checking out you know, the, the, the email, the name of the person. I went to the, to the IFJ website and I said, shit, this is real. <laughs> so I started changing yeah, emails yeah. with them and they sent us a check for $5,000. That's amazing. Yeah, this is Just started all with the power of a picture yeah. and an idea and yeah. a project. So um, during these five editions of the calendar, we managed to gather around 20, 25,000 euros for the, for oh, the needy students. Impressive. So what happens to this money then? after you It get goes it? for the social fund from the social services and from the student union. And it's to help the needy students, you know, those guys. You know, because sometimes you have people that are not in the condition to receive a, the, the scholarship, but they are really in need. So they can uh, they can go to the to the student union or to the social services and apply to that to that fund. So this, as if I understand correctly, this is not only for judo students or for no, athletes. No, this no. is for any student that is in need. Yeah, this said. any student that is in need. Basically, this is a project that started with uh, with uh, with the judo, but it evolved to an, to another thing because like even in the in the in the second edition where me and Jose got naked um i got uh, Branquinho, Diogo Branquinho from FC Porto is one of the best athletes in the in handball in portuguese is from is on the national team and you have Mariana Falcão it was also she's also a doctor she's a really hot pretty girl you know bright bright doctor and she came to me yeah yeah i want to be in the, in the calendar so she was also in the in the in the calendar and it and after a while like in the third edition people from from other sectors not also being athletes wanted to be part of of the calendar and i decided to open the calendar not just not to athletes mm-hmm. but also to people that can bring some light some media coverage 
to the right to to the calendars like it was on the third calendar that we put a cultural group from the university a gang of guys that 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 play songs all but naked in the teatro circo in the, <laughs> and it was oh, i think i saw that it was pretty like out of context by yeah. your normal standards yeah but it, it was really funny it was like teatro yeah. circo is like this amazing place and then you have like there are a bunch of guys that they are not athletes but they are students and they are taking off their clothes to show they are into the cause also that i want to help the other colleagues so the criteria right now is to be a student and to be hot no right. no because like this if it if if this if the hotness was one of the criterias i would not be there oh there you're too modest you're pretty yeah, hot yeah, guy you're pretty I, buff I, man. this is bullshit but i have to say this yeah <laughs> <laughs> i wish i will be like i don't know how old you are like 40s or something 45 45, 45 like be super buff yeah but it was like this because like during the calendar you will see guys that are like Sean, you know, the, the, the Irish guy that you got to know, he's like, he's 50 years old and he was yeah. like ripped as fuck and he was not, I like Sean, but he's not a pretty guy. He's ripped yeah, as yeah, fuck, yeah. but he's not a pretty guy. And I like, yeah, I agree. Diogo, Diogo, a good friend of mine that he was national champion in judo, he's a great guy, but he's like, he's like 120 kilograms. He's a little bit fat. He's a little bit chubby. But it's like this, the fucking calendar is not only for the pretty and beautiful, it's for all the people that want to help. And if I have here a judo national champion, a great guy that wants to take off his clothes and that can help me, why the fuck should I not put it on that the calendar? That makes sense. Then you focus on yeah. the message that you want yeah, to convey. And that's what it's all about, like passing it, the right message to help the people. This is like, yeah, okay, this is like this, the calendar is not like... It, this is not like when you are a young kid and always the fat fuck has to go to, to the to, <laughs> to the goal. Oh, you are the fat one. You go to the goal. You will not play for it. And they're like, fuck. So yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, this. Yeah. In judo, like, this is one of the good things about judo. You are fat, no problem. You go fight in the 100 kilograms. You're a fucking skinny guy. You go on the 60 kilograms. This, this is one of the good things about judo. You, you have place for everybody. You right. are a girl, you, you can fight with us. You are a girl, you can fight with us. No problem. Yes. This is one of the amazing things in judo. You have, you have, the, you, have the, the, you can do it. Everybody has a place in judo. And the calendar is the same thing. It doesn't matter if you are white, if you are brown, if you are yellow, you are a fucking alien. Okay. If you are a student of the University of Minho or you are an athlete, you can be on the calendar. It doesn't matter these if you... Are, these are the two things that you need to be on the on the on the calendar if you are an athlete or if you are a student from the university or, or a student or. of the university of minho like this one one of the one of the photos that i really love in the calendar it was really challenging because she was a fucking unicorn you know the because girl? She, yeah, yeah. Like she was too hot to be true. No, she was smoking hot. You know, she's the wife of a good friend of mine. Okay. Sorry, but she's fucking hot, Bernardo. He knows, he knows. He knows. He knows. <laughs> he knows. He knows. He knows. She's fucking. That's why hot. you married her. Yeah. yeah, that's why he married her. And she's like, she's smoking hot. You know, um, and she got pregnant. And when I was talking to them, so what do you think? And she said, yeah, I want to get in the project. But yeah, the problem because she was not an athlete she was not never been an athlete and she was not from the university of Pino. and i was like fuck where am i going to to put you in the calendar and then i remember fuck bernardo you were a fucking athlete you was an athlete you used to do motocross competitive motocross and he was and he was working in the national uh, students uh, sports federation i know what i'm going to do i'm going to put you both in the picture 
Okay, so but this is it's again. Doesn't it sound a bit artificial that you have these criteria and you have to stick to them? So, like, the, are these criteria being an athlete or being a student of the university something that you really need, or is it time to expand the calendar? It's like, a bit no, broader? because it's like this. I want to keep. I want to keep a connection in the. This this is my option. I want to keep a connection with the university and with sports. Outside of these criteria, I only allow someone in the calendar. It's like this. Imagine that um, that Justin Bieber wants to be in the fucking calendar. Okay, I'm not going to say, oh no, Justin Bieber, you're a uh, fucking Canadian tattoo pussy guy. I don't want you on the calendar. <laughs> Fuck no, I'm going to have Justin Bieber on the calendar because this guy is going to bring me a lot of money to the calendar. That's a lot what, of that's money question, to help the like, needed students. What's the boundary? The boundary is that if you are, if you are not um, uh, an athlete or a, from the University of Minho, if you are a superstar or some or some or a mediatic person like a TV star in Portugal or like an actor someone that I know that will bring something okay. to the calendar do you understand okay, yes yes makes exactly. sense exactly someone that then help promote the yes, message the, promote the message otherwise you are going to the calendar will lose a little bit of his not personality of his how can identity, I say identity you know. identity is lose a little bit of his identity yes, it, it makes it's sense it's important to keep to keep an identity to 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 the calendar okay so i'm i'm i can go outside athlete or in student of university Minho in cases that i say okay this guy is someone that is really important and it's going to give a lot to the calendar in terms because in the end it's about making money because making money will will help the needed students. Right. Making money for to create this yeah. fund for the students for the to students. help fund them. Exactly. It's, it's, no, it's really nice. You know, it's really nice. You, know, you have good photos and you have a lot of media because it it uh, brings the spotlight into this problem. But in the end of the day, it's all about money. Right. Because you have a lot of people saying, "Oh, this is bad. You must help. Oh, this is bad." Okay. How do you help? Money. It is. Yes, like we it, have this, this thing that was like a few years ago, thoughts and prayers for you with, as a consequence of Paris terrorist attacks. Yeah. But like thoughts and prayers, who cares about that? Like yes, you need prayers. action. You need action. Yeah. This, this is like you have to be pragmatical. So and the calendar is, is to happen every year. You think it's a project that has legs to this sustain? This is like this. Right now, it's like it's it stopped for two years because of COVID, and it's it's like it's getting difficult, you know, because like. People are like, I'm, I'm talking to people, do you want to be on the calendar? Yeah. And I say, are you ready to pose? Yeah. And then I am not fit or like this, you know. These last two uh, years, it's been a little bit tricky to get people to pose for the calendar. You always need different people. So it's yeah, 12 people a year. I, 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 tr I try to bring new people to the calendar and just not to be like at the same faces again, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's like when I was working in the in the sports and i was uh, i was I, and i had a closer relationship with the athletes here it was easier for me to get athletes now it's a little bit more difficult but i'm i'm a little bit out of the context of the sports in, in did you university. quit your job as a judo teacher yes i could i quit my job as like like i told you before like four years ago it was like i had five years as a judo coach it was really great to force the first four years the fifth year, you know, it was a little bit tricky. I was not feeling motivated. And when you are not feeling it, you should know when to step out. So Angela, that posed for the calendar, she was also finishing her degree in the, in, the, in sports. She was also on her way to be a black belt. She just finished her degree 
in judo coach and I said Angela it's you that have to to assume the the coaching she was I know I don't want and I was I sit with her and with parent our former boss and said Angela you have to you have to grab it now this is your time to to do it and she okay step and up then, and Take then it. she stepped up and she continued the the work so now she's a current teacher here uh, no she was here for two years and then she left university okay. of Minho to work in the university of Porto okay well, fair enough so it's, like, it's like this it's like sometimes it's like this is not like my farm my quinta you know it's like i had my time it was good now it's time to 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 pass it to another person and it, it was what i did it was like Five amazing years as a coach, you know, I learned a lot as a person, you know. Uh, I made a lot of friendships, you know. I'm here because of that, you yes. know, talking to you. So it's like this. This is one of the great things about, about sports, you know, the friendship, the personal growing, the personal development that, that you do, the education through, through sports, you know, the values that sports bring you, like leadership, friendship, companion, being punctual, responsibility. These are things that are gained and that are learned through sport. Yes, I am who absolutely. I am today due to the sports that I did. I also think that sports teaches you how to dissolve your ego a lot because you will never be the world best. And even people that are the world best at a certain point of time, it's just that, it's just this time. But the people that are second, third, another ranking, they will bust their asses trying to step on you and overcome you so even if you win once there is no guarantee that will win again and the chances are it happens to everyone every athlete that will come at a point in a life where you will lose a battle yeah. and you will have to learn how to deal with the emotion of losing and not being the best and having the mental resilience to step up and improving yourself because we're, this is what we were talking offline a bit earlier like what sets athletes apart is not their preparation is not their physical ability is their mental capability to yeah. respond to the challenge at the time of the competition and not cow be cowards and not frown but saying okay i'm here i'm gonna do my best i'm gonna crush you of course it's like just like this this, this is funny just like me and my girlfriend who we were watching like georgina on Netflix, you know, the, the, Just, yeah, the, Ronaldo's yeah, 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 the documentary, you know, it, it was funny, you know, everybody was talking shit about the document, shit like that, and they were like, let's see it, and it, it was, it was really nice to see, and to see how, how she seems to be a nice girl, you know, and why, why I call Georgina here to the subject, because two of her, of her bouncers, of her, not bouncers, securities, guards, okay are portuguese two twins they were commandos they were also in the um, in the diplomatic uh, security service for portugal they were the security of of two ministers and now they are working for for ronaldo and for georgina and two of those guys you know you, you look at them and they don't see like all buff and stuff like that because they were you know, when you are a special force you're not like fucking arnold schwarzenegger like grabbing yeah, two machine guns. no yeah, these yeah, guys yeah. are guys that are like fucking fit slim no they have to be fast you know it's, it's not about the mental the mental part is important but the most mental most important part in special forces are the mental part and you are talking about two guys that were also um athletes they are they are federate athletes in athletism so these guys athletic not yeah. martial arts no no not martial arts they were they were doing athletics okay so they have 
this mental process of achievement, goals, everything like that, they were, they were really well prepared. So they decided I'm going to do the 12th grade and then I'm going to do the, the commando. So they okay. have all of this background, physical mm -hmm. and mental background behind them. And right. sports can give you this for them, and they were like, they were like top five, top five or top six in their uh, commandos uh, course. Well, it's incredible. It's about the method. They the teach you yeah. like how to focus on a moment. I noticed that a lot in the climbing club because for two years now, I've been no, actually for two years and a half now, I've mm -hmm. been climbing at the Club Escalada de Braga, mm -hmm. which, by the way, they started their own calendar. Yeah, yeah. Like they have very strong kids, like very strong, mm -hmm. many national champions, mm -hmm. and they started to this year the idea of also making a calendar yeah. with the kids, twelve kids a year, and they're trying to push it to mm -hmm. maybe get some funds. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing that I noticed is that there's all ages in climbing, mostly uh, kids, teenagers, young adults people in their 30s, 40s, there's everyone. And I notice, especially in kids, when they come the first time, kids, and we're talking about like seven, eight, nine, 10, 12 years, they come to the club for the first training and they're very erratic. They don't keep their attention. They are always uh, losing the focus. They're always playing around. They're always messing. They're very sudden in their movements. And one thing that is amazing about climbing is that you really need to be concentrated because you can't go to the wall dancing around you. You need to go and think carefully where you step and just being focused on your movement and knowing, feeling your, your fingers and your hands and not stepping out of wandering. And I noticed that the kids, they gain a lot of concentration because they go from all these super stimulus to being in the moment and yeah. when they they this is a learning process of the sport the sport teaches them to drop everything at the door and just be in the moment yeah. and be focused you know you are talking this to me and i'm grabbing here the um, the cell phone to to look for something because you made me remind me of of a book that uh, that i have and it's about one of the one of the guys that was really one of the great wrestlers in the in the history of the United States, and I'm I'm trying to 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 search him here, and I'm not finding it, and I'm not also reminding the the name of the book. I think it's it's the, the fighting game or something like that. And I bought the, this book a years ago because I was I was and I'm still a, a little bit into mixed martial arts and stuff like that. And this book it talks about the mind game of the high level athletes, and one of these guys. In the first chapter, it was one of the guys that is like the, um, it's like a kind of Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the best mm -hmm. athletes from, uh, from from the wrestling in the United States. And this guy, he, he made me realize like the importance of failure to success. Yes, it teaches a lesson. Like you only and learn the, when you fail, and you when you learn your boundaries, and when you learn that you're not good enough, and that you need to improve. That's when really growth happens. That's Not only it. in sport, but also in life. Like what? when you fail an exam, when you have a bad relationship. And you have to go back to the drawing board and see what you did bad, what you did good. And then what are you going to do to solve these questions and yes. to improve yourself? And sports give you this. And this, this guy was saying in the book that one of the key moments in his career, it was one defeat. 
One defeat, it was in the in the in the final of the national championship before the Olympic Games. And he told me, if I didn't lose that final on the national championship, I'll probably not win the, the, the gold medal at the Olympic Games. And I'm going to explain why. So this was the guy that basically trashed everybody. You know, it's like like a fucking fucking steam steamroller yeah, over the strong. competition, like busting everybody else. Like it was not the guy that I'm not I'm don't don't win five zero six six zero in, in points. I'm I'm the guy that wins like 25, 30, 0. So this guy was like in the um, in the final and he was like winning the the guy the in the in the national championship but he was like fuck this guy I'm just winning for two or three. no I'm going to fuck him up so he tried to do something and the other guy was counting on that yes and he lost the final because he made a mistake so he went easy on him he in didn't, a way no he didn't win he didn't went easy on him what he wanted is like he was winning like for five or six zero but he was thinking no fuck I don't win five or six zero I'm I like I'm John Smith I win like 30 zero <laughs> so he went like and when you go with that mindset you eventually it, yeah. you overdo it and you do mistakes and when you do mistakes you can lose and that's what it happened so he was taken by ego he was arrogance. taken by his ego so he lost that final what he did is like fuck he had to do all of this work all of this mental process to see what he did wrong so when when he when he went into the olympics and he was on the final and he trashed everybody into the final and he was fighting i think it was a russian guy and he was winning like by 2-0 or 1-0 and he didn't went like i'm john smith i win but no no let's take it easy let's be tactical let's take this to the finals to 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 the final moment and keep this advantage and this is how he won and he was saying this if i didn't have that lo that loss yes. I would probably went into berserker mode like Whoa! and the yeah, guy yeah. take advantage and I had lost my gold medal. That's really important, especially because we in media or we as a public who just want a good story, the triumphant, the hero. And they don't want to hear about the loser, but it's the loser that makes the hero. Yeah. Because we need to be a loser first before we can acquire the mental resilience to become the heroes. Completely. Because that's what sets them apart. I think that uh, what distinguishes people is not who they are in the starting point, but how they react to adversity through life. Trust me. I learned that a lot. I learned that in sports, because sports, I was saying, they teaches you to be humble, because you're not going to be the best. You're going to lose. You're going to find someone who is much stronger than you. There's always bigger fish in the sea. Always. Always. And I learned that also during my PhD, when I saw... I had many colleagues of mine that quit and I saw that I faced many, many problems. Like I'm not going to go much into it, but I, I was almost failing like two or three times. It was, it was completely brutal in some aspects, but in the end it went very well. But that's the thing, like there were these moments where it was either I pull myself together or I'm going to fail. Yeah. And in the end, if someone just looks at the end, okay, you did a PhD, you got max grade, all the best, great is, but they don't know what happened before. They don't, don't know, know the, the shit that, I was yeah. in. But it's like the shit, you, there were these moments where there was angst and you were like, okay, how, how am I going to handle this mentally? How am I going to say, okay, I did this bad. Now I need to pick up the pieces and make something out of this and move forward. And that's really the filter of life. Like it's the people that can react to the adversity because we all have our problems. We all have our circumstances that are yeah. shit 
It's just about handling them. Completely, completely. Yeah. But in like you deal with many students. I wanted to with many students, with many athletes, with many people that want to be pro. We were talking, for instance, before this volleyball team that played for free. And I see that also in climbing. There's an athlete called Tanya Chavez. She's a para, para climbing athlete, mm -hmm. which means that it's uh, for people with certain disabilities. In her case, she doesn't have one leg, so she competes mm -hmm. in these categories. And she's the best athlete nationally in this category. And mm -hmm. she goes to represent Portugal in the World Cups of climbing. And the thing that strikes me is that she doesn't have any financial support. So she has a job, she works her ass in the job, then she has to train and uh, by herself in the club with the coach. And when she goes to competition, she has to pay everything. So I wanted to ask, since you have so much knowledge of athletes, do you think that there is enough support in Portugal, like, like Tanya's case that in which she has no support from the Federation? Is the only case or this is happening? No, this is happening, problem. but this is also a tricky situation, you know, why? Because like this, um, for you to get support, okay, and uh, the government gives to the national federations some scholarships some money for the athletes, but for you to get that money, you have to get results. So this is like pescadinha de rabo na boca. Like yeah, it's in like Portuguese. Yeah, so which in English would be like uh, positive feedback, meaning that you need something to get other thing, but yeah. to get the second thing, you need the first. Yeah, that's it. So basically, like when you start, you the money will start flowing into you when you got results. It, it doesn't matter if you are uh, earning mad, much money or less money, okay? The money will flow, but you have to get results. And it's a little bit fucked up sometimes to get results when you don't have money. Yeah. But it's like this. If the, if the government just starts getting money to everybody, the government doesn't have money to, to give just money away to all the athletes. And you know, I know this for a fact that many people that are in some national federation, especially some not not so known sports they take advantage they take it trust me people that are not that, so known what do you mean like there are some federations in some sports like imagine this you can create a national federation from some like imagine now there is a sport called pillow fight pillow fight pillow fight you know people that get into a ring and they start doing fights with pillows regular pillows regular pillows Okay. And and this is a thing, okay. okay. So you are in government and you do your own federation of pillow fighting. Oh, I want money to 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 go to the world championships of pillow fighting. Okay, okay. Then you have to set a boundary. But in this case, you could say, okay, let's finance Olympic sports. That's already a reasonable criteria. Yeah, but but trust yeah. me, you have you have some major sports that are not Olympic sports. That's true. That's why you need some criteria. Okay. You can be multiple. Criteria. So you have to establish criteria. Okay, sometimes it's fucked up. I know that it's fucked up, but you have to establish criteria. Otherwise, people will take advantage of the system. And we in Portugal is one of the things that we have bad in Portugal is that we are culturally, culturally, we have like this tendency to take advantage of the system. And it's yes, like yes. when it's like when you take advantage of the system, ah, you are a clever yes. guy, you cheeky bastard. That's yeah. very true. We value those. In England yes. or other countries, if you do like that, people look at you, motherfucker. Why are you doing that? But here, like we are Latins 
And it's a fact. It's like, if you go around the system, people will probably give you a tap in the, in the show. Say, yes. You cheeky bastard. Yeah, you you, you found the way You found the way. You cheated it. Good job. And it's like, this. people will not look, look at you like, why did you do that? You should be ashamed yes. of yourself. And it's a set through, you know, I love my country. I think that you have an amazing, amazing country, but you also have bad things. And one of them is like this. It's like we call it in Portuguese, the Chicos Espertos. And you have a lot of Chicos Espertos. And you have a lot of people that try to take advantage of that. And even in Taekwondo, I saw some of these cases. And you are talking about an Olympic sport. And Taekwondo now is in a bloody mess, the, the Taekwondo Federation, because of a president that was like this. A president. Yeah. It was the, like taking money. They, 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 yeah, they, they, they took out the national, like, um, when they give you the, the government gives you the certification of uh, public utility. So the government took out the, that, um, that thing from the Taekwondo Federation. They don't have the statue of public utility because uh, the president was in some shady business and stuff oh, like that. Oh, shit. So he fucked up yeah, the federation. Yeah. And, and you are talking about an Olympic sport. Yeah. See? And that, that's a problem. That's you know? not so rare. Like, there's also a problem in the climbing. I know a bit about climbing because I hear them talking about it. And in climbing, it's a mess also in which you have this federation that is the yes. broadest in terms of climbing. Yeah, they have like the camping federation. Exactly. Shit like that. And yeah, then no. you have the... In quotes, the real federation Ration. that has no financing because the official one is the other the one, other, but yeah. they don't invest anything in yeah. climbing. So you have these conflicts and one See? is in court, but the courts don't move. But so while they don't move, they stagnate the funding. So, so ima imagine yourself in the, in the government and you have this bloody mess. Yeah, but like the, I think they've tried to talk to the minister of sport and it doesn't really change things. Because, you know, if you have a big funding like the older one has even even if you have are in court you don't have legitimacy if you have money you have influence so you can even if you cannot change things you can stall things mm -hmm. like make time like delay I'm, the process and while you yeah. delay you accumulate a bit more and then you have so the side games and all of this it, it trust me it's not easy and I, I understand the athletes you know i've been there i've been an athlete a shitty athlete, you know, started really late. But, but I understand, you know, I understand what the athletes suffer. It's fucked up for you want to be and you are on a certain level and you, do, you don't have support. Yes. It's fucked up, but it's like this. You have countries, like I think England, and I, I don't want to be mistaken, but I think England is one of them, that you are an Olympic athlete, you won a medal and you don't receive anything for that. Even in England? I think England, England is one of those countries. Wow. I, I don't want to be 100% sure, but I think it's we would always like, like that's one thing about Portuguese also. We always think that the foreigners are better than us. No. So we have this small mentality and we say, oh, yeah. if this happens abroad, it must be better. Trust me. No. And it's like this. But if you are in Singapore, you earn one million dollars. Yeah, yeah. If you got the gold medal, but it's like this. Singapore is different. But yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, but, but then if you are in, in North Korea, if you got, if you don't get the medal and if you got like... 4-0 <laughs> by Portugal, you probably end in the in the working camp. Yeah, Korea is not a comparison. Korea, I've been I've heard that it's like the modern day Nazi because they have concentration yeah. camps in Korea. Like the world does not have a shit 
of what's going really going on there. Or even if they know, they just turn their eyes to the side. But there's really some fucked up even things in going a, there. Even in a big country near near Korea, that I'm not going to say yeah. the name. Start because, to see. Because you never know when you have to go to that country and all of these crazy yeah, 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 yeah. programs in the internet that filter all the keywords and then they get barriers at the frontier. Even in one of those countries yes, back yes. there, you have those kind of vacation fields you know yes you have like and that's the thing but these in this case economic interest play the biggest role and political powers look aside but that's, let's not get into that because i've <laughs> i've had videos removed because i used certain keywords i know and this is censorship i know and you see you don't really understand these and this is not censorship this is market laws no it's this it, is money Yes, but in terms I of... I know it's censorship, it's I censorship. know, but you understand what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like, it's like even, even in the NBA, you got athletes that when they start talking about certain countries that yes, you were talking yes. about, they say, shut the fuck up, because they bring us a lot of dollars. Of course, of course money plays a part. And we have John Cena apologizing <laughs> from the NBA, for the Fast and Furious. See, that's all about money, but it's mu it's censorship driven by money and driven by other interests yeah but this is not okay and this is no, happening not. World in a massive scale but yeah um money talks money talks of course i think money is one of the greatest drives <laughs> but yeah so um it's a bit sad because then when we dan gable. we create this dan gable that was the name of the wrestler dan gable check it out dan gable okay, okay. continue because we no that's okay <laughs> Uh, we create these incentives when you say, okay, we, you, you need results to get funding, but you don't really get any help until you get results, results, which creates a weird situation in itself. But then even if you get results, you don't necessarily get funding because there are these problems with federations yeah, sure. or there is problems of lack of recognition yeah. or lack of investment, many things. But the first thing that happens when a Porky's athlete gets a gold medal is he goes to Lisbon to the city hall and he hugs the president and he gets all the cheers and it always strikes me as a bit hypocritical because we you're like this okay you don't create the conditions for the athletes but then you're the first to pat on the back like saying good job man it's like it it may seem a little bit hypocritical but I don't see it that way I think that and I don't think the athletes see that also that way this is like for me, it will be a pride to be recognized by the by the republic. You know, it's like sometimes um, some of the of of the best awards are not only money; it's a recognition. You know that you have from from people that too, okay, you did a great job. You were really amazing. This is this is trust me. This is really important for sure. And we are like very uh, primitive brains. I, we want love, and we I understand that the politics also like to take advantage of that yes. but this is like this is a little bit win-win situation for for uh, for both and it's like the, the it's like the president because this is the president that that uh, that welcomes the the guys that won the gold in the europeans or, or olympics or world championships is a president that welcomes them the president has has bigger fish to fry than to have than to have to take care of of these things this is uh, some things that the government should be taking care of. 
Okay. Right. I don't, I'm not sure, like, because I think it, it's what we were talking earlier. People always talk shit for what you do and for what you don't do. Like they talk shit for being in a calendar and they complain for not being so. But I think the public outrage will be bigger if the president will not gre greet the Olympic champions. Of course. You'll say, like, why don't you go celebrate them? These are our national heroes. What, do, what are you doing that is more important than going to them? So it's kind of forced in a way. Like he has to do that. Because if he doesn't do that, he will look very bad in but the picture. Re but remind me, re uh, remind you that it was him that started doing this because the other public, the other president didn't do this. Are it we was talking about Marcelo then? Yes, it was oh, Marcelo yeah. that started doing doing this. Okay. okay. I was not aware of it. I'm I, I, I'm I'm not 100% sure, but almost. And it was like, I remember that. When the, when Ribragansa was vice world champion in Taekwondo in in 2009, he showed up on TV thanks to me. Because the president back then, Cavaco Silva, was here at university visiting the School of Medicine, and uh, my my actual boss Julia uh, knew a guy that worked for the president that was here. He talked to him. And um, I grabbed Rui. Rui, this guy's going to put you with the present because we explained, oh, this guy. Yeah. So he showed on, on the TV and he, Cavaco Silva back then congratulating him on, uh, on being vice world champion in, in Taekwondo. So I think that even back then, he was mm -hmm. vice world champion silver, they were not receiving athletes. Okay. I, I, I don't want to, to say, okay, they were not receiving, but I think that they were not because... They didn't have a single clue that Rui was vice world champion. Right. You know, we had to talk with the guys and then eventually say, okay, we're going to put him with the, pre with the president. It's a good change. And then Marcelo, I think he has the merit of trying to bridge the connection towards the people. Yeah. And that's a very good thing on him. Yeah. But in terms of recognition, like, of course, that we want the human recognition. We want the ceremonies. Mm -hmm. We want to feel uh, valued by the people around us, by our friends, by the public. Because that's how our emotional mm -hmm. brain is. We are hardwired to feel that and to seek that. Mm -hmm. But when we're talking about recognition, do you still think that this one-time recognition, that is like this ceremony, you are the winner, you go to the city hall, you go there mm -hmm. one day, the next day you go back to your life. Do you feel that this one-time recognition is more important than, for instance, a financial recognition in the form of a scholarship that can but sustain have, you. Trust me, they have it. Like when you, like, when you are an athlete, because then you you enter this like what they call the um, Olympic way. Okay, when you are an Olympic sport and you get some results, that the, the federation the, the says, okay, for you to get a scholarship, if you get these results, like, if you got like in these ten tournaments, if you got like. After these 10 tournaments, you are like in 10th position of the ranking, you, you receive uh, 1,000 euros. If you got into like in top five, you receive like 1,500. Five, 1, oh, okay. So this is like steps, okay? Oh, it's so, ranked. Yeah, like it's a table. ranked. So this is, this is well organized, okay? Okay, okay. okay so if, if, you, if you manage to get the results, okay, you are there. You, you can say that this, this, is, can, this can be a little bit unfair when you got like an injury and you don't get the results but you already got but it's like this life is not fair but it's like this otherwise people sh you could get people that are like 
40 years old and, and still living on that result that they had like 10 years ago. It's like, okay, you want to receive money, you have to have results. It's like when you, it's like, because sports for those guys, it's their job, period. It's like, it's their job. So if it's the job, you have to have results. Like, yes. you cannot come here to, to your job and just stay here and watch porn on the internet. You have to have results. You have to study. You have to do articles, right? These guys, it's the same. They have to have results. If they don't show the results, they will not get money. Yes. If it's, like, if that's great when it happens like that, if it's just competency-based, that is great. Like, if you can yeah. make it your full-time job, great. What I, I was just concerned with the people that cannot make that transition that they need to have the, the job on the day and then they compete on the at night. Those are the people that I'm most concerned about. I know, but it's like this. It's a choice that they have to do. Yes. I know it's like it's not a fair old. It would be nice if they didn't need to, to work and to, and to stay focused. But it's like that. You have to get the results and then you have to make a choice. Okay, you get, I have the results. So I can receive 1,000 euros per month. Is this, is this enough for me to quit my job? I'm going to take a risk. Okay, you can take a risk. But remember, if you don't get results, yeah. you don't get the money because it's a job. It, it has to be like this. Right. It has to be like this. Yeah, for sure. Okay? Because imagine this. Okay, imagine now because then you have younger guys knocking on, on your door. Right? And then imagine this. If you already have granted that for like five or ten years, that money, okay, you are you are not allowing other guys to come. Imagine that now comes a guy, younger guy that get better results than you. And he right. said, no, no, I'm not going to give you money because I'm already giving money to that guy. But that guy is not getting results. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, that would be unfair it's in strict, some you know, way. You have to have standards, okay? I understand that it's fucked up when you are starting because you don't have support. It's fucked up. But it is what it is. But I guarantee you that when you got when you start getting results and you take care of all of the bureaucratic per, um, uh, process, you will receive a scholarship. You receive a prize. You and your coach, you and your coach will receive a prize money. That's great. I hope, like I believe what you say because you have much more insight into this than me. Yeah. So I think it's. I'm very happy if this actually happens. If it's like this, you can say, okay, I should receive more more money. I, I, I will not get into that, okay? I'm 100% I'm I'm, I'm in favor that athletes should receive more money. But sometimes it's like this. I, I will also like to earn more money, but sometimes yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's not possible. It's like, it's like this. When you are like a big federation, like football, you can give prices because you have... This is also goes into, into, the, into, the, into the subject of federations uh, must um, make efforts to be independent in terms of monetary donations from the government. You know, it's like football. Every, everybody says, "Oh, football! They have money for. They have money. They have money. They have money." Well, football is a case apart. I know, but it's like this. They work like even now. Futsal. Do you see what they do in futsal? What? They do an excellent job. They were like two times European champions. And oh, the national team. Yeah. Oh, the national team is very good. Now, these, now they're European but, and world champions. But they are doing a fucking great job. It, it, this is not just about money. I trust you because I know all the process behind. You know, Pedro Diaz, that is in the, in the National Federation, he was my boss here at university. He works like a fucking madman. 
is a guy a guy with a with a fucking great vision. It was he is the guy behind all of this success. But success. in this case, what is his contribution to these successes? The organization, you know, he is the man behind, you know, crea creating conditions for the teams, for the athletes, for the development of the sport. Like infrastructure, yeah, of course. Competition. So this, I guarantee you, this you are going to have more results in the future. This is not like one generation. Okay, you have like these guys, these five guys that are amazing, and they won everything. No, we are you are pro progressively, okay, getting results. But Imagine like four years ago, we were European champions. Four years later, without Ricardinho, yes. without yeah. Ricardinho, without Cardinal, we were European champions. But that's the thing that we're talking. You need conditions for success to happen. And you cannot... And, okay, you in some way you need some success to drive of the course. need for infrastructure. But do you, think, do you think that they have the money and they have the conditions that they have now when they oh, start? Of course it? not. But they probably had something. It's, like, did they, it's a when, process. When did they start to invest? It? Were they champions of anything? European? No, it's like this, this, is, this was like... This is also a vision of the president of the Portuguese Football Federation. This is a guy that was in FC Porto, and I'm not an FC Porto guy, but this was a guy that was really good, that has great vision. And he said, okay, we need to develop these, uh, these other sports. This must not be all always football, football, football male football. You're because right. now, see, you, you are talking about female football, Benfica, Sporting, Braga, Braga was national champion. This was because of the good work of a president of a federation. This was not a guy that he could stay in, the, in, in there, in the, like a president, earn a lot of money, travel around and don't do a shit like other guys did. No, this guy did a major development. Portugal was world champion in, in beach beach volleyball, Yo, beach yeah, football. Yeah, yeah. Portugal was world champion football, yeah. in futsal. Portugal's European champion in the, in the, um, in football. This is a, a progressive, sustainable work. Right. Okay. And that speaks to the importance of good leadership yeah, and good vision. Completely, completely. In a way, is it? And luck? this is a guy. See, this is a guy, the president of the of the of the, for the of the Portuguese Football Federation. He's a guy. I think he has a degree in man management or something like that. And he was also before that he was a, a basketball athlete. Okay. So sports was also really important. Important in his, in yeah, his development. Yeah, we come back to the same. Like sports really changes people in a positive way. It gives them hard work. It teaches them how to behave with others. Completely, right? completely. In this case, I still see that you work out a lot. Like when I go to play football in the gym, uh, I in the gym no at the university, which is near yeah. the gym. I always find you there. Yeah. What uh, drives you to still exercise today? Exercise. You know, it's like. I had to stop the, the last three years because of a physical injury that I have, my, that I have on my hip. So I have to stop doing judo and doing kickboxing. Um, so basically now I'm only doing um, doing uh, body, not bodybuilding, but going to, to the gym and pumping, pumping some weight. And for me, the physical appearance is really important. You know, I appearance, like... Appearance. Yeah, in this appearance. Case. You know, I like... I like to to look into the mirror and to look and to like what I what I look into the mirror and I like to dress myself up because it's like trust me it's really important. Some people look at me oh you are so fucking vain always dressed up always like a fucking pimp and shit like that. That's jealous man jealousy. But but it's like this. The way the way you this is like it's for me it's really important 
to start today and looking at the mirror and looking like fuck i'm looking fucking yes. great i'm going to take the fucking world in my hands and when you are like when you are fit when you are pop, proper well dressed and you, this builds confidence and the way this this transparent this this uh, image passes to the other people when you walk when you are standing tall in the street walking and people look at you and you're like <laughs> Exactly. This, this is important. Like, I agree completely. Like the self-esteem. Like, if you build a self-esteem, you have the confidence to take on the world and to don't back down. You like you know you believe in yourself. You know you look good. You are good. So that gives you so much yeah, confidence. It, 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 this is is simple. It's like when you are studying matters like leadership and shit like that. You know, it's completely different when you have like the a CEO or a guy that is in in front of a human resources, a guy that is like short, skinny, or a guy mm -hmm. that is like six foot tall like one meter 90 yeah, yeah, yeah. 80 kilograms with a suit you're like fuck this guy is the man you know okay this guy you know it doesn't matter he being all tall and strong and shit and if, if he doesn't know how to talk okay but if, if you have like two guys a short guy skinny okay that can talk or you have like 190 meters tall 100 kilograms guy that also talks the figure is important, you know, it, 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 it imposes his respect. Yes, yes. I think that's one of the reasons I Putin got so famous, because Putin was a badass guy. Yeah, he was a, he's a, a legit, he's like a yeah. judo black belt, you know, he's a, exactly. he's a nine dan, you know, the Japanese, did you know how he earned the, the six dan? It no, was no. in Kodokan, in Japan, the Japanese award him the six dan. It was like, it was in... Um, to Putin? Yeah, to Putin. It was like in... Six, the out, of, six out of many. No, no. It, now he's like, he's eight then. He's eight. Mm -hmm. You have ten ranks. A then is a rank. Okay, so the first six are awarded by your national federation. The first five ranks, you are you are a black belt. The six, from six to eight, you are a, a red and white, a red and white belt. Usually after the six, all of the other ranks, seven, eight, nine, ten, are awarded to contributions that you did to develop um, or judo. So basically it was a fifth ten. He went to Japan in an official, uh, in official uh, travel, um, like a president in, in, uh, mm -hmm. in being president of Russia. And, it is, and they said, no, I want to go to Kodokan, to visit Kodokan. And the ship said, okay, okay. And they <laughs> took him there. And, and, and Putin went there and said, no, no, give me, a, give me a judogi, I want to practice. And they were, oh, and they gave him a judogi. And they went there, do a little bit of judo. And he even allowed a little girl to throw him. Oh, can, I remember there was a video of that, Can right? you imagine that? Yeah. So the, the Japanese guys came in with a, with a, with a belt and take it this is your sixth then you were being awarded a sixth then because this 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 simple this simple trip to to the kodokan in terms of image publicity everything it was huge it was awarded the eighth then do you know when in 2010 in, in 12 in the olympic games Why? after after one thing like he he promotes a lot of development in sport in in, in russia no Putin can be a bad guy, you can call it whatever you want, but he supports a lot of the sports, of the, of the development, especially martial arts. So he goes to train in the national team and shit like that. So in 2012, in the Olympic Games, when they were in the final of the, one, uh, the last 100 kilograms, there was a judo guy from Russia in the final, and Putin was there to support him. So when that guy won the gold medal, you see the second most powerful man in the world, getting up from the stands, clapping their hands, and going down into the combat area. 
everybody went, wow. Whoa. and he went there, he went into his house, like, congratulating, like, big hug. Yeah, everybody yeah, was yeah. like, wow, can you imagine? All of, all of the world was looking at that. Can you imagine what this did for judo? So the guys from the International Judo Federation, Mr. Putin, is your eighth hand. And it was, it was great because he contributed to the development and to the image of, of the sport. It's a per year, but in this case, it was not about skill. It was just about yeah, what yeah. he did in you terms of promoting the sport. Trust me. You have guys that are Olympic champions and that are still first hand. What? Yeah. The dance in life. Because for you to change, you can, you can get higher than uh, due to technical skills. Okay, technical skills of basically you have to do the katas, the form, or you can uh, get higher ranks because of the uh, achievements in sports. You can uh, imagine this you have guys that are like eight, nine, then that are like basically almost on the top, but they never get any medals in, in competition. They know everything about judo, they did a lot to, to, to develop. Okay, it doesn't mean for you to be like six or seven then doesn't mean that you're like a badass in judo that you kill okay, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What it means is that, that you develop, you devoted a lot of your life to the development of judo. Judo is really a part of your life. Yeah, that's wonderful. But this is what we were talking Like he, Putin has a very strong leadership, yeah. of like physical Completely. presence, because he's yeah. a really tough guy and he shows it and he has a lot even of confidence being, in himself. Even being a short guy, but yeah, even but being a short guy. But size doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just about how you project yourself yes, to the outside completely completely this is confidence like you okay, okay you don't have to be tall but you have to be confident you need to be assertive in how you communicate and clothes or how you look is part mm -hmm. of the communication completely completely it's always like like he, he goes like walking on his horse all butt naked like <laughs> with his shirt with his shirtless like or going fishing it's like it's a complete but that's it it you know it shows an image of a strong man of a strong yes. leadership and in Russia that speaks loud you know it always speaks loud there's this famous painting by Napoleon Bonaparte because it's Napoleon mm -hmm. on a high horse when crossing the Alps you know this painting I know that painting I have that I have that photo on when I was on Tinder now I'm not on Tinder when I was on Tinder I did a Photoshop of I put my face in that painting of Napoleon oh, but that painting was not real. Because that the mm -hmm. crossing of the Alps was real, mm -hmm. but the stories say that Napoleon was a super pussy. He was like on his horse all the time, shivering in cold. <laughs> really? Yeah, like being complete, being miserable in there. But then when he wanted to show the crossing, he asked the, him to be representing the triumphant horse, like high on the horse, the horse with the foot raised, like about to conquer the world. And it's the same thing. It's about how you communicate your image. See, even even then they didn't they didn't have Photoshop, but they were. Uh, they had paintings, man. They paint exactly. This, <laughs> See, is this is the one, and this 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 made a lot of success on oh, Tinder. This is very well photoshopped. Yeah, I must say. <laughs> These are Tinder tips. Yeah, this this was my my last photo on, on my Tinder profile in two thousand. This this was to show my funny side of of the of the profile. But it shows your confidence at the same yeah, time. Like at saying, the same time, yeah. I'm a bad boy, come to me, I will <laughs> take care of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Does your wife know that you were in Tinder? That you were such a success in Tinder? Yeah, she was she was a victim of my success on Tinder. Oh, perfect. We met on Tinder. It was like love at first sight. Or love yes. at first swipe. First swipe, yeah. <laughs> so we were both on Tinder and we we met we we were a match. We start talking and then we had a date 
And on our fourth date, I was asking her to, to be my girlfriend. Okay. Very nice. When was this in terms of year? And I will follow. It. This was mm. uh, in 2020 during the pandemic. Okay. This was, I, I asked her to be my girlfriend on the 28th of December of 2020. 28th. Oh, man, you know these dates. Yeah, I have to know it. Otherwise, you, she'll beat the shit out of me. Yeah, I think <laughs> this is something that you inherit from the first relationship. Because yeah. <laughs> guys don't really know this stuff. <laughs> you have, it's, it's really important. It's really important to, to remember the dates when you are on with a girl. But oh, a funny man. part of this is that um, she, she's, she doesn't, she, in the beginning, she didn't remember the date. And I was me that was like, I was the girl remembering her all the day. You don't remember? We had the first date on 12 December. And I asked you out, well, I asked you as a, my girlfriend on the 28th. And she was like, shit, I need to remember this shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're the perfect boyfriend that not only remembers the date, but you push for the date to be remembered. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like what I wanted to uh, talk about Tinder also is that when I, I almost never used Tinder in Braga mm. or even when I when I was studying 10 years ago, there was very few like in the 20 in the 2010s, 29, 2011. But you didn't have Tinder back then. When, when did it appear? Uh, I think Tinder started in 2012. I don't I don't want to. OK, you're on there. Let's say 12, 14, 14, like yeah. those early dates. I I remember the notion that People that were on Tinder were looked on the site. They had this impression that it's like yeah. the people that were so losers that they could not get a partner in normal, in quotes, paths. So like the discarded of society. Yeah. And there was a shame, a certain shame in admitting yeah. that either you were on Tinder yeah. or that you started dating on Tinder. It's like even now people, when you say that today, not so much, but people still look at you a little bit. Oh, you are on Tinder. It's like... It was like when I was like 15 or 20 years old, like imagine like 20 or 30 years ago. And you and you were a little bit ashamed of, of saying that, oh, I met my girlfriend at the nightclub. Oh, you met your girlfriend at the nightclub. She's oh. it's like, it's like You didn't want to tell anybody that you met yeah. your girlfriend at the nightclub. And this is the same shit today. It's like if if you say that you meet your girlfriend at the, at the Tinder, m many people Will, will, will be ashamed, you know. I, I know people that met on Tinder and they don't say that. When, 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 where did you meet? Oh, I met her between, it was a friend of mine that uh, introduced us. People are a little bit ashamed because we still have like this, this bad image of Tinder. It's like, yes. Tinder is like, imagine, imagine, it's like when I tell people that I'm on, that I was on Tinder and that I was paying to have it because I was a gold member, I paid to have the extra the extra stuff on Tinder they're like why you are on Tinder you are paying for Tinder and I, was, I always used to say fuck this was the best spend money in my life and they were like looking at me like what the fuck are these guys saying and then I explained them and then a lot of people will look at me and say that makes sense because like this imagine that you are like 40 years old like when I started going to Tinder when I was like this was in 2016 so it was six years ago I was 39 years old so you are 39, all of your friends are married, all of the people that you know, they have their, their groups, you know everybody in your, in your job. So where are you going to, to get 
to to meet new people yeah you, you don't know? have that's the thing right? like they, are you are you going to go to a nightclub or to a bar like trying to pick up girls in their 20 drink oh you are so pretty do you want to go out and you're like yeah. how the fuck am i going to to make to meet new people yes so tinder allows you to get to meet new people it's like like this there are some kinky stupid persons there of course there are of course. Like, like like you <laughs> yeah, like you have stupid people in the nightclub in the bakery in your office it's like it's the world that that we live in okay so this allows you to get to meet new people and you have your profile there are a lot of people that have fake profiles that's life like you meet people that show you that oh i'm so is this into this and this and then when you get to know them really you see that it's not that tinder is like it's like the same thing is like a portrait of reality and that way you can match with the people with the person and then it's only a way it's a it's a way to uh to an end just right that. and that's the thing like there, i don't yeah. think there's good and bad people by definition it just there's just people and people many are shit many are fucked up but there's also many good yeah. people in there it's like this is like have you seen tinder swindler the the new documentary about that phony guy that was uh, no that, that I will take note of that take notice you, sh you should see it it's like everybody is talking about that twin three tinder swindler it's about a guy that he deceived women and he robbed them it's like in millions you know he was yeah he was living there like this he, he was building like a ponzi scheme to mm -hmm. get money to women you know cheating yeah, on yeah, them yeah. and uh, telling that he was like this son of this rich millionaire, but he was not, and he was skimming the money to take to take that kind okay. of of life. Okay. So and um, I just brought this here to to say something because one of the girls that was she was robbing she she made um, loans in the bank around two thousand and five hundred dollars to give him to him because she thought that she that he was in that his life he was in danger. Mm -hmm. You, you understand everything yeah, when you yeah, see the yeah, documentary. Yeah. And um, she was saying, no, no. After that, I got back on Tinder because this is had nothing to do with Tinder. I could meet this guy yeah, for in sure. real life. You know, sure. I just had bad luck in, in having this dumb-ass guy. You know, you can meet, can meet bad people in any place, any time. And she was, she was saying like with a smile, yes, of course I got back on Tinder dating yeah, people. Yeah, because that's the thing. It addresses yeah. a human need for socialization and Completely. for... Uh, getting new context so do you feel that nowadays this st stigma that existed before has been overcome a bit it's overcome a little, yeah it's, it's less it's like I, I remember in 2016 when i was on tinder and you were swiping in braga or in porto and all of the all of the pictures of of the girls were like on her back you know you don't, ah, you, you don't see the face you remember identity. that and yeah, yeah, yeah. when you start seeing like faces was like it was like a foreigner that was coming and she was like in porto and you see or a brazilian girl because because they they were like more open-minded and back then in 2000 then in 2017 then 17 i started in a girl so i was one year out of tinder and when i got back on tinder again I start noticing that you have more and more Portuguese women 
putting their face, showing who they really are. That's the know? thing. They also faced the competition, especially now in Braga in the last years. There's been a lot of Brazilians coming. And I'm not in the dating scene for a few years. Yeah, but, but I, this, is not, this is not a thing about competition. It's about normalizing, you know. They see that other girls put photos. So, okay, if they have photos... But that's in a way competition because you you set a new standard. You say all these people are doing this and mm -hmm. they're being more successful than me. So it's kind of okay for me to do that too. Even if you don't have like a competitive yeah, mindset. I don't see it like in the, in terms of of competition. I see more in terms of normalizing. You see, seeing that the others are doing so, I'm going to to do this. And it's like when I start when I was saying to people like. Oh, you pay for dinner and say, yeah, fuck yeah, you should also pay. And and we, pay why? And I start <laughs> explaining the advantages of of paying to have to be a gold member. And when they understand the advantage, they were like, oh, now now I'm gold member. <laughs> now I'm doing more more matches and stuff like that. You of course. But what are the advantages? Because you're a very good looking guy and you're a very nice guy. So I would not say that you would need gold Tinder. Trust me. Uh, I have a, a good friend of mine. He was a model. He he can you know, he scores a lot of girls. Scores a lot of girls. Can imagine. And he, and he was also on Tinder. And he was also paying to be a gold member. Imagine this. And it was like what he was saying to me. You know, Monta. When I when I go out abroad and travel, damn, I was like in Barcelona. I was alone. I was on Tinder. I met with a girl. Okay, we didn't have any chemistry, but I had some company during the weekend. I had someone to lunch, you know, to go visit. Sometimes the chemistry is not there, but you have a company, you right. know. It's not. It's like it's like I was to say to my to my judo students. Tinder is not a fucking date. It's a dating app. You go there and you meet people. Eventually, you'll have chemistry. Eventually, you don't have chemistry. When I was in Tokyo in 2008, in 19. I did a match with an Italian girl. We didn't have any chemistry, but it was a fucking amazing date. We went out dinners, we went out partying, and in the end she said, okay, tomorrow you need to go this, 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 this. And it was amazing. We still, we still talk from time to time. Now she returned from Japan, and it was like, how are you? I said, Everything's okay, and I have a boyfriend, stuff like that. And we still keep in touch. Mm -hmm. that, that doesn't mean that you have to go to bed and fuck her, or that yeah. she has to, to fuck her you, okay? It's, it's it is what it is, That's and the advantage of having a, a Tinder gold of being a gold member is that like you have five super likes, you can put your geographical center in another city. Imagine like imagine that you go to Tokyo, okay? I know I know that I was going to Tokyo like in the in the end of June. So in the beginning of June, I put my center in Tokyo. So the 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 the, the app was thinking that I was in Tokyo. And yeah. I started so start matching. Yeah, matching. Yeah, start selecting so, the portfolio. <laughs> so when I when I arrived in Tokyo, okay, and I yes. was going to stay there like for like five days, I already had everything scheduled with the girl, with the Italian girl. And because sometimes we arrive in the place and you're like, do you want to go? To, oh, I cannot go because I have this. Yeah, I cannot yeah, yeah, yeah. change my, my schedule. This way you can go. You can plan, okay, everything, and when you arrive at the country, everything is scheduled, and you can go out on a date with a with okay. a person. Okay, so in this case, it's good when you have to move. To move, or but you also have another advantage in terms of geographical center. Imagine like this, Braga. Braga is a small city, okay. Yeah. You know that small After, conservative city. Yeah, let's it's say like this. We are the third city in Portugal, like with one hundred and twenty thousand people. But after a while, you know everybody. Yes, you know, you know it. So, after uh, some swipes, oh, this is that, this is that, 
and you don't have a lot yeah. of options. You end up, you run out of contacts. And what, what happens? Your geographical center in Porto, you can put your range to 50 kilometers to see Porto. And you see a lot of girls and you start doing likes. But what happened? They don't see you because they are like 50 kilometers away. Oh, and a girl, a girl is not going to put a range of 50 kilometers. Yeah. They probably put like 10 kilometers because they are in Porto. And they don't need. And, and they're girls. The girls just have so many matches. So what, hap so what happens? You will not be seen. When you change your geographical center to Porto, you are oh. inside that range of 10 kilometers. Then your chances of matching with a girl improve. And this is why you pay. And then you can have five super likes. You understand the super like that yes. you give it. And she so, sees like this guy super liked you. He yeah. really likes you. Check and him then out. You also, you also can mean? see who give you a like oh, okay. with Tinder Gold. So you have all of these advantages from Tinder Gold. Okay, so your chances would, like yeah. if I didn't have Tinder Gold, I would not be engaged with my fiance because she did she she put a like on my profile and her photo was on her back, you know, she didn't show her face. And she was one of those profiles that on a regular day I will swipe left. Right. But I swipe right because someone liked me. Let me see. I start looking at a photo and I was like, mm. but then I saw something on the good, description. Good back. <laughs> I saw something on the description and it was like bisexual and I was like, mm, I like that. And I, <laughs> and I see I, what it goes. And I swipe right. Right. See? And that's what that those are the advantages of Tinder Gold. Right. But I would like I've been abroad and I've used it and I've seen a huge difference. I used it in Braga very, very shortly. Mm -hmm. And I came across that problem where you just run out of people because the context is so small and yeah. you kind of see your friend and it's yeah. a bit awkward sometimes when you see the people. I always give them know. a super like. To see. <laughs> I know that you are here. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm watching you. And that's the thing, but like abroad, I never needed it because abroad you always get so many matches. I don't know it's yeah. because you are exotic because when you're like, you're a Portuguese guy abroad, it's like yeah, a special especially, guy. Especially when you go to Nordic countries, you know, they are all blonde so they see a brunette guy and everything. My girlfriend is from Finland, so... See, you see where the story happened. I, I understand. Like I've been to um, to Lithuania. Jeez, it was like a fucking Christmas Christmas uh, tree. Yes, tum, tum, yes. Tum, 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 and you feel a girl maybe because you get more matches than you can handle. Yeah, completely. Because that's probably what girls feel. The girls probably swipe and they get a match. So they're like, you have fifty guys. Maybe one girl I was with in Coimbra. She was a foreigner. She was staying in Coimbra for three weeks. She told me she had 100 matches and she showed me from 100 guys. I was like, when she told me that, I was like, yeah, okay. Because I, I was the survivor of 100 guys. What the fuck is that? Yes, I did. A lot of the guys and, and then they don't understand why sometimes they don't act lucky because they don't even understand how the app works. If you swipe everything right, okay you'll get down on the algorithm yes. and you don't and the, the what you are saying to the algorithm is that you are only swiping everything when you only swipe on certain profiles the algorithm will adapt you and it will show this profile so if you are swiping on hot blunts probably the algorithm will show you hot blunts and if you are doing a lot of matches i would say this guy is getting successful so i'm going to put you on the top of the list and this is important why because when you go to like to a big city like like tokyo if you are on the lower part of the algorithm, you will not be seen. It's like, 
imagine you you start swiping after a while you you start you stop swiping because it's it's boring off because you are yes, tired yes so if you are like on on the top 10 the girl will see you so you have more pro, pro, pro possibilities to match if you are in like 100 place yeah she will never get even to see you in the beginning see? Yeah. this is why it's important for you to swipe correctly and to have a boost a boost is something that the tinder goal will give you that is basically will put you during half an hour on your prime time if you are like imagine prime time uses around nine o'clock on prime time you should boost yourself you use a boost and during half an hour your profile will be like in top 10 so if a girl turns on tinder and swipes like 10 times you'll show up for certain and this make you think this makes a difference in Completely. the end statistically this if, a difference. if you when you activate the boost you have much more matches trust me yeah. i've been there yeah you mean in all cities also including in yeah, Braga yeah, even also? in Braga because you, a lot of people will see you right do you like tinder addresses a fundamental human need as we talk the need for relationship yeah, relationship and for instance you see this in japan very clearly japan is a fucked up society but <laughs> completely <laughs> but they also showcase very clearly this need for affection they are willing to pay people just to keep them company yeah they don't have to there's a guy that he said he was super awkward that he could not adapt but he just decided to set a business in which he would just be present with people but he will not say a word so like you pay a guy to come have lunch with you but he's just there looking to the side doesn't say one word but people seek that because people prefer that to being alone yeah and that's the thing like people don't want to be alone and tinder fulfills that because it gives us a mechanism to meet people so in a way it's very good but um, it also changes the way we interact with each other yeah and it changes the but, incentives in dating but this is, is not only thing like facebook instagram all of these social media are changing the way we interact with people for the sure. way we bond the way we establish connections for sure but tinder specifically is dedicated yeah, to dating yeah. specifically yeah. specific because of course you in university before tinder you always i remember you had to have this curve on facebook like you go out at night tell me your facebook i'm gonna add you yeah. and we're gonna start chatting tomorrow and it builds from that but with mm -hmm. tinder you have a dedicated platform just for yeah. dating so in one way it gives people what they're looking for but in in another way it creates a super stimulus in which people are seen as discardable like you're just not a person before you are a person you are a representation of a person through a picture yeah. and you can be discarded and you can just be really unimportant very fast you just you just have a bad picture poof, left you are forgotten you go to the bottom of the algorithm and it teaches you how to behave in a way teaches you how to promote yourself to appear higher on the algorithm you think that this is a net positive for society that it's like this sometimes you take some behavior that you have on social media to your real life and that can be tricky the way we interact okay and sometimes it's like this if you it's like if you have a lot of success sometimes on tinder or matching on tinder probably if you meet someone on on the real life you probably if she if she doesn't if she doesn't fit your profile or something that you that you think that you want you probably say 
fuck, I don't need you. I have here people online waiting for me. Exactly. Especially, okay, that can happen with girls, but statistically, that can happen with guys, but statistically, girls have a lot more options. Let's put it this yeah, way. Completely. They have a lot more to select more. from. So what is the incentive for a girl to dedicate time to understand you, or for a guy also, to un or what is the incentive for a person to understand the other to really understand him or her as a human being when he or she can just say, fuck it, you're not funny enough in these 10 minutes of attention I give you. I'm just going to, to check my other options. What can I tell Because that happens also in practice. So it changes yeah, our like, behavior but, and but, our mindset. Yeah, because like we are in a society that it's more and more it's about like the it's not even about the 10 minutes it's about so like about those seconds and uh, those first seconds uh, uh, seconds and about the impression that uh, you can um, provoke in the other person it's like even now i see this with the, with the dj's you know, like the dj's putting dj's, a music, DJs I mean. are putting a music and the music is like five minutes and you have guys like change the music put another one it's like people want to sing things faster and faster and faster and faster People are like getting tedious when they don't have what, what they want. And sometimes this can be a threat to a relationship because people want some want more, 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 and they know that they, they can get it online. I don't know if this goes towards what you are asking, but I think this behavior online can be a little bit tricky to to the regular conceptual relation that you have in peer-to-peer -peer when you are with a person in, in, in local. Yeah, uh, my, like there are many ways to see it. And one way is like a general hyper-stimuli of society. And it happens in many things, like you said. Like, for instance, social, uh, social media is an hyper-stimuli to communication mm -hmm. because it gives you the likes, it gives you the notification, yes, and yes. not normally how people communicate through times. Like people communicate by sitting, by talking, talking slowly, yeah. discussing ideas, not just by sharing this snippet of information yeah. in a very short, or like in Twitter that you have 140 characters that you have to communicate okay. very quickly. Or like you have porn that is a nipper stimulus of mm -hmm. a real sex. That's not, that's not what happens. And you have Tinder also as a hyper stimulus of what mm -hmm. dating is, because dating is taking time to understand the other partner or used to be dating or used to be like that used to because be. even like even now you you see a lot like there is a there is something that sometimes is not easy to deal with it's rejection oh yeah for sure and um, one thing is being rejected online and you can be like talking like with someone in five minutes and then you are rejected but you have other there but being rejected in person it's a lot difficult to handle and it's a little bit more painful and you this these like relationships online can be more comfortable for the other person on the other side especially when you can build a fake profile and you can be like oh i'm this guy that do this and this and that and that and in reality you are not that person but it's really comfortable and you can live like that and you have a lot of people doing catfish and shit but like then that. when you meet they know your true side but is that like too late for them because you already met so it's like some success in a way or do you think they gain from that what do they gain 
But it's like this, many people, from what I see, and you, if you see Catfish on MTV, many people, they try to avoid to meet, you know, they live in this, uh, this oh, cyber they bubble, they live in this cyber bubble, and they avoid physical contact. So what's the point if you're on Tinder and if you're catfishing people and then you don't want to meet? Just for ego? for ego for comfort for like it's like that thing oh i know i can i can have her that i can have you i talk to you trust me this this happened it's like this imagine like this you are in your house and you are communicating you are not feeling lonely you have someone that you can talk okay that still and seems like is, a waste of time yeah for it's me. like it, for, it's like this for us for us it can be especially for a guy like me from uh, older generation but for these younger kids that only know this reality and it's yeah. like this it's like sometimes it's easier to to live on the cyber world and on the cyber reality because you don't have to face the, the problems and i have uh, have a personal uh, case years ago of someone that committed suicide and it was something like this it was a kid and um, he was bullied and he was a little bit fat and it was easier for him to live in the video game world where he was like this fucking hero, he has this character, but then in real life it sucked. Yes. And he eventually jumped out of a balcony. See? Yes. Because the real life, it's not always pretty. It I... can be ugly. And living in that shell, at least for a while, Okay, I'm not saying that people live like for 10 years, but a lot of people live like two, three years living those lying relationships. And you see a lot of that in, in Catfish. It can work for you. Well, it's, I understand it when it's in the gaming because I've spent a lot of my life gaming, a lot more than I should. And one game that I played a lot was World of Warcraft that is maybe one of the best games ever made. And it's so immersive, but mm -hmm. you come across a lot of people in that game where you really have this distinction that you said, like they are heroes in game. They are the badass, they have all the gear, they have all the epics, mm. they show off, people admire them. But then in real life, there were people usually on life support, people with disabilities, with government money. They, they just play yeah. 15 hours a day and they are losers by normal standards, standards. in real life. But then in games, they were fucking heroes. And yeah. that's, that opened my eyes to the benefits of having a reality to escape to from your real life but overall like i think you are in a good position because you're a bit older than me so you dated a lot in a pre-tinder context and you mm -hmm. dated also in a tinder context so would you say that nowadays is it easier or is it easier to get a date and to maybe enter in, in the relationship yeah and are the relationships as meaningful as they were back then of course yeah, because it's, it's like this, remember. Tinder, Instagram, Facebook are just a way to, uh, to an end, okay? People, if you ask me if people are different today from, the, from it was 20 years ago, of course, like people from 20 years ago were different from 40 years ago. You know, life, life as if life, uh, humanity has evolved, society has evolved, so everything is different you have different different uh, objects different objectives in life as, as a society um, 
I was asking if like things Facebook, are so meaningful. Instagram, uh, social media changed the way we we connect, we bond, we we have relationships. Now, if you ask me if my relationship today is different from a relationship 20 years ago of course it is 20 years ago i was a dumbass kid now i'm a full-grown man you know i don't do the same mistakes that i did okay uh, but if you are going to ask me if uh, if if um, the social media changed the way i bond with people no no for me it's just a way to bond. Okay, it's, it's just a it's, it's Tinder, Facebook, Instagram. For me, it's just the foot on the door. Right. This. So when you because actually I, enter the door, it's the same. Yeah, because it's it, this this. I'm talking by myself, by my example. When I do a match, I talk a little bit. I try to check out Instagram to see if the person is real, or try to evaluate the profile of the person because of the photos because photos can tell you a lot about who you are yes. even if you don't talk, if you, if you think that you are not showing every uh, something you are trust me you are showing a lot of things and i try like after like talking a little bit let's have a let's have dinner i want to be with you in person i don't i'm not one of the guys that are talking to you like one month, two oh, months, three she... months. But you have people like that. Oh, yes. And did you, you in Portugal, like you that. have many people like that. Because in Portugal, there was this notion, at least a few years ago, that if you go out on the first date and you have sex on the first date, you're a slut. You're a slut. So, no, you have to make sure in the head that the guy is interested yeah. and make him prove it's that he's not superficial. Yeah. And that was very fucked up, I think. Yeah. My friend, when I was 15 and I came to Braga, okay, if you want to have sex with a girl, first you had to date her like for one or two years. When you were a teenager. Oh, but that's a teenager, that's normal. Not, not, now? Now you're on 15, 16, you are having sex. Trust me, I know what I'm talking but about. But I don't know if that's good if you want to like incentivize 15 not, years old. I'm not, I'm not saying it's good. I'm telling you what yeah, yeah, is yeah. happening now. We know sex like this. Let, let's establish something. You should normalize sex. Sex, sex should not be like because we have like this canon of of religion. Like no, you, you should only have sex when you are going to to get married. When you marry, because you have to have kids. No, no. This was teach. This we were programmed. We have software. We have software, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we are hardware. So you have to choose what you want to put on your hardware. And back then was like this: if you want to have sex. Okay, and we had guys like back when you were in school, and you know that they were having sex, and they were like, "Fuck, I'm yeah. a fucking virgin just walking off." Yeah, all day. Like the because, you know, <laughs> but these guys, they were having sex because they were, they were dating the same girl like for two years. Yeah, two years, and you were like saying, "Oh, I want to go to to university because they fuck it a lot and shit <laughs> like that." And it was not like that, but when you are you are grown up, you are like twenty, twenty one, and life is different. So now everything is different, you know. Sex start, sex start being that forbidden thing. And if you are a girl, and if you if you have like two or three guys, you probably a guy who would not want anything to do with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. That changed. This was part a lot of the Catholic education. That of course, put like this stigma on women, especially like, like yeah. if you date many guys, or if you have sex, you of have slut, you, you have like you have unworthy. Like you have like this stupid image like, oh, 
you are you have you went to bed with five guys you are a fucking slut yeah, you went to bed you went to bed with 10 girls oh you are a fucking stalin yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like it's bullshit you know like yes. and, and the stupid thing is like this mentality that we had okay like 30 years ago we still have it today i was like when i was a judo coach and i was like with some guys that you knew and we were alive like this this is one of the things that i really miss in judo it's like the the, the locker room talk that I had with the kids, and they were like, oh, this girl is a slut, it's a slut, and I was like, why the fuck are you saying that? Yeah. Why the fuck are you being such a fucking dumbass? You know, just, just because, just because he chooses to, to go with with other guy with, with not to, to bet she's a slut, so you're a fucking slut also because you went to bed with two or three girls? Come on, grow up, man. And that's a double standard. Like, fuck? she's yeah. a slut for going with fathers, but if she went to bed with us, she will be an angel. That's the thing. Like, it's But improbable. we still have this fucking yes. dumbass mentality, like this patri patriarch yeah. uh, society where women, oh, you are a good girl, you should do this, this, this. No, but no, no, no. If I wash the dishes, I'm just a great, uh, great guy. Come on. I think it comes from the fact that guys traditionally or males traditionally not only in the human species but in many species they have to work for the females yes. and the females just have to choose the male so there's this stigma that in our race or in our species it translates into males are shats and badass if they get the females and the females are like sluts if they sleep with a lot of males which is nonsense nonsense Completely. and like before christianity sex was very liberal and even in the nobles' houses, you had the paintings of like guys yeah. with huge dicks. And then the, the Catholics came, they're like, oh, this cannot be, this is a scandal, they have dicks on paintings, what is this? And they erased everything. Of course. But it's, it's supernatural. Like, it's yeah, it's like, so natural. If you go, so it's like this. If you go to the, um, to the Nordic societies, before they were like, they don't have such, some, the influence of the Catholic religion is not that big in, in Nordic society. Yeah, yeah. Sex is something natural, you know. It's like yes. you, you could see, you could see in, in the Vikings that the girls, they, the women, they fight alongside the men and they choose the men inside the, the, the tribe. They, the guys, they, they, share, they share women and the women share the, the, the men. It's like, it was like the software. It's like the fucking software. Yeah. And I see that, I told him, my girlfriend is from Finland, and she told me that in high school, they have a lot of, not only in high school, but Finnish culture is a huge habit of going to sauna. Mm -hmm. and they, they all like it in sauna. They get so naked and they go to sauna, yes. When she told me that she would go to sauna naked with her high school friends as part of high school trips. And I was hearing that, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> in high school, where the hormones are peaking, you just want yeah. to fuck and you see some boobs and you get hard. And you go to sauna naked with your friends. Like for me, that would be very hard. But for her, it was supernatural. It was like, okay, this is really, as you said, this software this is what our culture programs us to. Of course, it's like if, it's like if if you never seen a, a naked girl, you're like, yeah, naked. If you see, booze, man, booze. This is like this is like in the, in the, in the side note is I'm just being cracking a joke but this this was real i remember you no know, george michael saying that she got tired of women during the 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 the, the period that he that he got the what george michael got which period when he was on wham the, his band that was saying wake me up before you go oh, go okay, well, okay. so he said like oh i got tired of women in that i had so many women that i had tired <laughs> of women but it's like just to to settle upon it's like 
It's like when I was with volleyball. The first time that I was with volleyball, I was like all these pretty girls with ass. I was like, oh, fuck that ass. Oh, that ass. After a while, it's a, you don't even look. Trust me, I, I'm being honest. You don't even look to this because it's ass, ass, ass. You normalize that. You don't look it like. But if you don't, if you've never seen it, of course, you're like, oh, what an ass, what an ass. <laughs> If you, if so so these like, are confessions of a king that is wealthy and has all the ass in the world. Is <laughs> 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 very satisfied. No, but, <laughs> but it's, it's true. Yeah, it's, it's true. You know, true. it's like, yeah, man. It's been almost three hours already. It's mm. been a blast. The time has flown. It was great. It was really great talking about all of this, all of this stuff. You know, it's it's one of the good things about talking about friends. Is like we revisit old places. We we got these big smiles about things that 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 we, that we lived, that we experienced. This is one of the really good things about in local interaction. You know, yeah, I think it's pretty different. You completely. see the voice, you see the presence, you see the movement, and completely. it's not the same digital. No, no, trust me. It's like this is why a word of advice: every time that you communicate online, especially on Tinder, if you crack a code, joke, or something. Please put emojis. Emojis can be very useful in the in the in the conversation because sometimes you are saying something just to crack a joke or you're just do trying to say something funny, but the person will not see your face, person yes. will not hear the tone of your voice, and sometimes you can get into into trouble. So use emojis. Word of advice from a Tinder king. <laughs> okay, man. Thank you so much. It has been a okay, blast uh, to have you here. It's been a great fun. It to was get to an know honor. You better. Yeah, thank you so much. And see you another time. Okay. Maybe. See you. Bye, everyone.